Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of King of Pro Wrestling Podcast. Paul and I are here today uh, to give you uh, probably a shorter episode uh, than we have in, in, in recent weeks, just because there's not a ton of stuff to talk about. Um, Paul, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Man, I'm doing good. It's uh, you know, it's almost time to have a baby, so things are a little oh. crazy around here. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure they are. You know, things are a little nuts at my house. Sue's summer sets in. You know, we have oh, everybody sure. wants to do stuff. I mean, the kids have already been to an amusement park. They want to be in the pool all the time, which is good. I, I love summer. I'm so glad it's here. The weather's beautiful. I'm in the Northeast. How's the weather out there in the Midwest? It's raining. It has been raining all day. It rained all night last night. So it's, uh, it's, you know, it's not bad. It's been a lot better than it was, that's for sure. Yeah, it poured here yesterday. But the good thing was it gave me the motivation. I had to catch up on some of the stuff that I had, I had missed. So oh, yeah. a ra- nice rainy day was was perfect, you know? I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, now for an abrupt shift of gears. Just yeah, because, let's go from high to low. Right? Let's, let's, let's might as well. Uh, so the, the big news, the sad news, is that uh, Leon White, Big Van Vader, passed away Monday. Uh, his son announced it on Twitter yesterday. Uh, obviously, there's been a huge outpouring um, of condolences and thoughts uh, about the big man. And um, I think... You know, I, I can kind of speak for both of us when I say he was undoubtedly, you know, one of the best big man, you know, guys ever in, in professional wrestling, um, and unique to this situation um, is that really he got his his start, most of his fame and notoriety in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Even though uh, I think a lot of um, you know fans knew him more from his WCW days that if it hadn't have been for his stuff in uh, Japan and even before Japan, some stuff in Germany, um, you know, he never would have even probably made that transition. So I uh, wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about Vader and talking about um, his run in New Japan. Uh, Paul, what do you, what do you uh, want to add to that? Um, I, I, I kind of feel bad in like a way talking about Vader because I'm one of those guys, and you got to understand, I didn't watch Japanese wrestling as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see his work in, in New Japan, okay? Then I'm in the northeast part of the country, and even through the early to mid-90s, it was even after the territory days, there was still a split. Like, where sure. I lived was 100% WWF territory. Like, you know, the the TBS show was on for WCW, but I never once went to school and heard anybody talk about WCW wrestling. Um, I could tell you who Vader was, at the time, but I didn't watch WCW. So my first real introduction to Vader was when he showed up in 96 in the WWE, their WWF at the time. And to be honest with you, they, they botched him. They, they oh, screwed yeah. it all up. And you could say whatever you want. I don't think it was his fault. I, you know, a lot of that blame for that goes on Shawn Michaels at the time. Yep. And um, so it wasn't, I didn't get a true appreciation for Vader until after the fact. And to be honest, with you, Vader was one of those guys that it was more recent because I watched a lot of his stuff on the network. God, you could say whatever you want about WWE at the, right now, but the one thing that I do love about them is the WWE network. Yeah, and it gives you the God ability the to yeah, and it, and it gives me the ability to go back and I watched a lot of his stuff, like some of the matches he had with Cactus Jack and WCW. Yeah, and um, like people forget too that uh, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe I am, but. One of the most historic things in wrestling is when Ron Simmons wins the WCW world title. Yeah. He beats Vader, right? Yep, he beat Vader for it, Vader put him over for the title, and that doesn't get enough recognition, too. Um, And, you know, one of the the 
biggest memories I have of Vader is actually when he snapped out on the reporter. What was it, Saudi Arabia? Yeah, in Saudi Arabia, yep. You know, and there's always stories, too, that he didn't realize that he was told to do that. He thought it was a work, and uh, you know, but... You know, for a guy his size to be as graceful and agile in the ring as he was is pretty impressive. And, um, you know, and now, like I was saying with the network, now with New Japan World, you can go back and watch some of the, his New Japan stuff. He really was a monster. Yeah. You know? and oh, they, yeah. They, New Japan, too, did a better job of building him up as a monster. Like when he would come out with the, the Mastodon helmet and it would smoke would be coming out of it and... So get this. So this is something that, you know, I I don't know how common knowledge it is. I would imagine for some of our listeners um, that they probably are aware of this. But originally the gimmick was meant for Jim Helwig, the ultimate warrior. And they uh, were going to go with him. They had all the sketches and designs done. They had the uh, the, the mask helmet sort of apparatus built um, and ready to go. And even some of those early sketches show like, you know, the warrior's kind of body type as opposed to Vader's. And then when Helwig signed with WWF, uh, they realized that they wouldn't be able to use him, so they thought maybe they could do uh, Sid Vicious uh, and, and use Sid Udi, rather, for it. And uh, that didn't pan out, and so they ended up getting Leon White to come in as Big Van Vader. And he came in in such an interesting way because at that particular point in time, uh, this is when they had hired uh, Takeshi Kitano, um, who was a comedian in, in Japan, to be a um, uh, manager, like a heel manager uh, for v- the Vader character. And there was a show um, in, in December of 87 at Sumo Hall, and Inoki beat Ricky Choshu with a DQ in like, you know, like five or six minutes or something, and fans are super pissed off. Well, Vader comes out with Kitano and Masa Saito, and they challenge Inoki, and Inoki accepts, and then Vader ends up kicking Inoki's ass, beats it with a power slam in, like, less than three minutes, and the place fucking loses it. They riot. Uh, New Japan gets banned from Sumo Hall. They will never have wrestling there again. Not just New Japan, but never have wrestling there again. It gets rescinded in, like, two years or whatever. But the thing is, is, like, at the time, it was huge, and it was so controversial, and it put Vader on the map right away as a monster. The thing that was kind of weird about it is that fans... Fans were still kind of iffy on the whole thing, and they were still pissed about the whole deal just because of the way that he debuted. But it, I mean, within about a year, uh, I mean, he was he, he was it, you know. And then uh, he ended up actually becoming the first guy Jin to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, um, which is still fairly early in, in the title's lineage because uh, you know prior to it becoming its own championship, uh, it had just been defended in a tournament um, yearly, you know, which which Hogan had actually won that tournament, but he never actually held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, that's the thing. People, if you're new to New Japan, don't realize New Japan started in 1972, but they didn't start with the IWGP Championship as a title like uh, the way it is now until, what, 80... uh... 88, I believe? 87? Somewhere in that range. Like you said, there was the tournament each year, but there was no crown champion the, the way they do it now. That's why the title reign, the title history only goes back to, I think, I think it's 87, but I could be wrong. No, I think you are right. I think it is 87. Yeah, yeah, it's 87 because that's when Inoki beat Saito to win the tournament final, and that's when they, they started calling it the the heavyweight championship, so it would have been 87. Um, yeah, and, and you know, it was, uh, it was not too long um, after that. I think it was in April of 89 um, at the Tokyo Dome when he beat Shinya Hashimoto in a tournament final to win the title. And in that same night, he had beaten uh, Masahiro Chono, 
Tatsumi Fujinami and Shinya Hashimoto. So he beat those three guys in one night to uh, become the champion. Um, and then at the G1 in 1990, he had a match with um, Keiji Muto that was just incredible. The the fans in Sumo Hall um, ended up like throwing the pillows that they that they sat on in the air uh, when the match finished because it was yeah, so incredible. You see that clip a lot. They use it in intros for New Japan, different programs and stuff. Like when they do like um, if you go on the New Japan World and look at some of the um, the documentary stuff, you see they use clips of that where they're all throwing their seats into the ring a lot. Yeah, because I've um, seen that. I saw that like a thousand times before I knew what it even was. Yeah, well, and they did it the next night when Mudo, or excuse me, when Chono beat Mudo uh, for, to win the G One um, in '90. And it's interesting because Meltzer writes about how Brian Pillman called him to tell him about the Mudo and Vader match and said it was the best match he'd ever seen. And uh, and then the next night uh, when Chono beat Mudo, the, the the fans did the same thing. But Pillman, uh, you know, told Meltzer that it wasn't, it didn't have the same feel. That it was like, it was like you did it because you'd done it before as opposed to yeah, it being such a spontaneous. spontaneous yeah. yeah. Um, but probably one of the most famous matches that Vader had in New Japan was the match with Stan Hansen, um, which uh, well, was, was... Well, I wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> which was a title match uh, at that time. Vader was the champion. Hansen with, was with All Japan, so it was a New Japan versus All Japan match. It was uh, at a sold-out Tokyo Dome. And prior to the match even starting, Hansen's whipping the bull rope around and clocks Vader in the face with it, breaks Vader's nose. Then they get in the ring. Well, we should point out, too, in, in Hansen's defense, for anybody who doesn't know, apparently he's blind as a bat. Yeah, he, he can't really see very well. No, so it's not like he was trying to be dangerous with it. He just literally can't see. I've heard story, wrestlers tell stories on documentaries about when they're coming off for that clothesline being terrified. Yeah. That he's going to hit them in the right spot because he can't see anything. Yeah. It's yeah, and the, the thing is, is I think it has more to do with like his depth perception. It's not that he can't like see, but it's just that like he has no sense of awareness of how far away something is from him. So, yeah. so in particular with that Larry, which is kind yeah, of you know like, a little bit of an issue when you're a professional yeah. wrestler. Yeah, no shit. Um, but they're they're trading hands, and uh, the story goes, and so I, I don't know if this is exactly how it happened, but the story goes that Hanson accidentally caught Vader in the eye with his thumb, and it caused Vader's eye to pop out. Uh, so Vader, literally in the middle of the match, rips his mask off, which is the first time he'd ever taken the mask off, pushes his eye back into place, and then basically has to like hold it in with his eyelid, so he's keeping his eye partially closed for the majority of the match. Because they still go on with the planned finish, which was like a double DQ or something like that, I think. Um, yeah, it was. It, it's it's an incredibly memorable moment. A, you know, I think if you're a wrestling fan, regardless of whether or not you pay attention to Japanese wrestling at all, you've probably heard the story. Um, and uh, you know, from there, I think that the that it's easy to just jump right into WCW. And Sting is is a wrestler that I've I've always loved. And kind of what you were talking about earlier with being in the Northeast, I spent a lot of my youth in the Midwest. And the crazy thing about the Midwest is that in in the mid to late '80s, you're really like WWF was still the most popular by far, but people watched a little bit of everything because you had AWA, which was kind of local, but you still had those Kansas City and St. Louis promotions that were sort of running as well. Harley Race was a big star. You know, Sam Muchnick had a big hold on the area still as a promoter and stuff. So there was a lot. It was a weird kind of feel because 
you still pay attention to the NWA, which would then become WCW. So when I was living in St. Louis in like the early '90s, I was actually watching more WCW at the time because um, I wasn't really into WWF anymore. The only the only person I really paid attention to was Bret Hart. So I watched like almost all of that Sting Vader feud like as it happened, and I can remember like begging my parents to order the pay per view that had the White Castle of Fear strap match, which is oh, the stupidest geez. fucking title for a match ever. But the match is so brutal, um, and and in some ways, as much as everybody talks about that Clash of the Champions match with Ric Flair putting Sting on the map, which I mean it definitely did, the feud with Vader was what really sealed the deal. Like the feud with Vader was like this. This is the the right story for the right time. Your baby face wrestler having to fight from underneath your big monster heel, you know, with the shitty vicious manager and Harley Race. I mean, it was just it was such a classic story, and they beat the hell out of one another. And it's funny you mention that because for some reason, like I, it's funny when I get on the network sometimes. Like if I'm just killing time, it's almost like you know, like if you go on Wikipedia, you fall down a rabbit hole. Oh, like, totally. you just click on something, you click on something before you know it, you're on something you didn't even start. I kind of have that happen to me when I'm on the network sometimes. And I actually was watching the match the other day when Vader, with Harley Race, beat Sting for the title. Oh, nice. When he, when he knocked him out and then he, and then he did the move. Like, you know, it's, it's hard to gauge when you're watching it years later, but the crowd seemed shocked. Yeah. Like, there oh, yeah. was an audible gasp, like, that he manhandled Sting in that match. Absolutely. And, and you know, the funny thing is, well, I mean, not so funny, especially if you're Sting, is that, um, I mean, Vader wasn't pulling any punches. I mean, he, like, cracked a few of Sting's ribs. He ended up at one point, I think, like, um, like rupturing his spleen. Like, it was insane. Like, I mean, just beat the hell out of one another. Uh, but it, it really upped Sting's game, and I feel like those matches with Sting, especially the, the ones where Sting was able to kind of get more stuff in, ended up showing a very... I don't know, energized, aggressive side of Sting that we hadn't necessarily seen as much from before. Yeah, because how many times is Sting going to be able in that time period in WCW wrestle somebody that he's not as strong as? Right. Like, when Sting had his matches with, like, Flair, for example, Sting is the bigger, more physically dominant wrestler. It was Ric Flair's technical ability. Whenever a lot of the feuds he had, where it's like putting him in a completely different situation. He's more vulnerable when he wrestles Vader because Vader can do things to a human that most people can't. Yeah, yeah, Which without is, a doubt. You know, but and, yeah, and I, still, you know, I, I think you know one other quick thing to add with the WCW run is uh, the feud with Cactus Jack that culminated in the Texas Death Match at Halloween Havoc '93. Um, they they uh, did the spin the wheel make the deal thing. Um, yeah. Luckily, in this case, the wheel was gimmicked, so they knew it was going to be a Texas Death Match, unlike the Sting match where they didn't gimmick the fucking wheel with Jake the Snake Roberts, so it landed on the Coal Miner's Glove match, and it was terrible. Anyway, um, that, yeah, that whole feud with Cactus was great, uh, and in and, and the tributes that have come out from both, like, Cactus and Sting in the past 24 hours, um, you know, they both really put Vader over as a guy that, that kind of, you know, cemented Sting's legacy in a lot of ways at a very early stage, if you will, uh, and and then, you know, really helped to put Cactus on the map on sort of a national level. Um, and, and I think that uh, there's going to be some, you know, some 
touching things written and said about him in the future that are absolutely well-deserved. And, you know, in the interest of moving on, we won't go into it too much unless you have anything to add. But obviously he would have a great run in all Japan and be a triple crown winner there. He would actually he would wrestle in pro wrestling Noah as well. You know, he was selling out like Budokan with all Japan at a time when they were the hottest company in the country. And so, I mean, you know, he his career is genuinely Hall of Fame worthy by any standard. And the guy is is a legend, was an incredible worker, uh, you know, went from being this sort of green monster in, in 88, you know, in New Japan to literally by the time, you know, the year 2000 rolled around was just a bona fide legend in professional wrestling. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad day that, that we have to say goodbye to him, uh, especially, I think, before getting his due from the biggest promotion in the United States. Yeah. The only thing I would add is, I mean, for a guy of his size to be a, a, a legend, a star in multiple companies on multiple continents, you know, and everything you read about him as big as he was, he was that like, that's how big his heart was. They said he was a, a wonderful human being, a genuinely nice guy, you know, like anybody else, he supposedly had a temper, but you know, who doesn't? But, um, you know, you don't hear too many people say too many bad things about Leon White himself, yeah. you know. So, you know, it's a, it's a blow to the wrestling world. 63 years old is too young for, you know. and um, But, like, when you texted me, I said it's sad, but you can almost see it coming after he had the heart issues and... and you know. Yeah, and it's worth noting that, you know, it was, I think it was in November of 2016 that um, the doctors told him that he probably only had about two years left to live. So, uh, it, you know, I think the, the hope was, especially after the surgeries this past March, that that was going to extend his life. But, um, you know, it, he, he had one hell of a run, and, and yeah. 63 is too, is too young for sure, but at the same time, he packed a hell of a lot in. Um, it's not always how, how long you you know, the candle burns. It's also how brightly it burns. So I mean, sure. he packed a lot into those 63 years. So, but it, just as a wrestling fan in general, whether you like new Japan, all Japan, WWE, I mean, it's just, it's a loss for the wrestling community as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and again, we're in new Japan podcast. So I don't want to talk you know, anymore about it, but I will say that checking out some of his stuff in all Japan is absolutely worth your time. I mean, he had matches with all the big guys, you know, I mean, Misawa, Kawada, Kobashi, Akiyama. I mean, he, he, he ran through them all and, and they had some fucking great matches. Uh, one other match worth mentioning, I think is his, uh, Starcade match with Ric Flair. Um, I believe that was 93. Uh, it was right after Flair had returned from WWF and, uh, it's, it's a really great angle. It's a really great match. It plays out so well. And, and it's a testament not only to the genius of Flair, but just, you know, how great Vader really was too. So that's one worth checking out amidst all the others. Um, and of course, for his New Japan matches, the Fujinami matches, the Hashimoto matches, there's a tag match he does with Bam Bam Bigelow versus Keiji Mudo and, um, uh, and Hiroshi Hase, which is just, is, is a damn good tag match. So, so yeah, um, but now let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on to, uh, you know, business as usual. All right. There we go. Business as usual. So the, I guess <laughs> the first thing you want to talk about is the G1 special in San Francisco that's coming up, correct? Yeah, I think we they, should, man. The full card well, they, is finally out. Yeah, because they had released some of the matches, but the the entire card now is out. Yes. So let's just run through the card, shall we? Absolutely. All right. And I love when New Japan puts out a card. I wish that everybody did this. They not only tell you the matches, you know the order of the matches. Yeah. I love how like you know what you're going to get going in. 
But we, let's start out. We have a 10-man tag match to start. You have the Chaos team of Sho, Yo, Rocky Romero, Ghetto, and Yoshihashi taking on a Bullet Club team. And I love this. Of Chase Owens, Yujiro Takahashi, Tangaloa, Tamatanga, and King Haku. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And, That's and you know, pretty If you're going to cool. put him in a match like that, it's perfect. It's a 10-man tag match. It's in the United States. What a great spot to put him in. Use him. It's a little bit of a novelty thing. I get it, but... I don't have a problem with, especially in the opening match of a card and a 10-man tag match. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. They can totally afford to do that. Okay, we go to the second match. I figured this is a match most people figured we were going to get in some variety. Was It's Tori, it's, it's Yano and Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Suzuki. I mean, this is going to keep setting up the build between Suzuki and Ishii. Plus, yes. Yano and Sabre, I mean, there's going to be G1 implications here, too. Because you have... I don't know them off the top of my head how many of those guys are in the same block. I know Ishii's in on the block with Ishii Zach. and Zack Sabre Jr. are in the same block. Yeah, and, and, Suzu- and Yano. And Yano, you're right, you're right. Yeah. And Suzuki's in the uh, A block, the other three are in the B block, yeah. Which we will cover, but yeah, so it'll be a lead up to that. The third match, you have Kushida and Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Hangman Page and Marty Scrawl. I mean, it is what it is. That's, that's a match just to get people on the card, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have, mean that I in a bad way. I mean, no. Anytime you're going to see these guys in a ring together, I don't have a problem with it. Um, For sure. Oh, one thing that bit... is worth noting, actually, real quick, uh, yeah. that I wanted to throw out there about Ishii and Suzuki is that they um, are actually going to have a match uh, at the Strong Style Evolved card in the United Kingdom uh, on June, uh, uh, July 1st. It's either July 1st or June 30th. I can't remember now. So it's interesting um, that they're going to get a match there, and it's for the Undisputed British Championship, um, which which Ishii is the champ right now. So uh, I, I think that that's... Uh, really, in my opinion, is more indicative of the international expansion in a lot of ways that the idea that you're going to be getting, you know, these key matches, um, you know, in places that aren't just Japan anymore. Um, and, and again, I don't think this is by any means going to be the blow off match to their feud, but just the fact that you're going to get them in no, singles but it's competition. A big match. Yeah, yeah it's a big exactly. Match. All exactly. right. The, the next match on the card is the Neverweight Open Championship match. Hiroki Goto defends against Jeff Cobb. And I really yeah. don't want to talk about that at this point. I want to talk about that a little later in the sure. show. Sure, absolutely. Um, then you get to the tag title match. The Young Bucks defend their title for the first time against Evil and Sonata, the team they beat for the belts at Dominion. Um, totally makes Question sense. Question for you. Like, yeah. I, we're going we're gonna to go a little bit more in depth on this next week, but um, just to start getting the thought going, what do you what do you think about a title change? Do you think they're going to take the belts off the Bucks that quick? I don't think so. And the only reason I, I say I, they hold on to him for a while anyway is because I think Sonata and Evil are going to be venturing into the G1 soon. Yeah. And I think it would make a little bit more sense to keep the titles on the Bucks because you can have title matches on the undercards of some of these G1 shows if you want. Sure. Absolutely. If that makes sense. I mean, I'm not saying Evil and Sonata might not get them back, but I don't think it'll be until after G1. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to do that either, but it I do think it's interesting that they're did, doing the rematch. Cause... Right, right. Well, I think, and part of this is I think they're doing the rematch for, one, well, two reasons. A, they want to have the Bucks on a high-profile high profile match on the card. Yeah. And, let's face it, they want to make sure they get all the members of LIJ on the card. Well, sure. Because they're, they're I mean, they're popular in, in the United States as well. I mean, they're not Young Bucks or Bullet Club level yet, but people know LIJ and want to see all of LIJ on the card, especially with only being five of them. 
Oh yeah, I mean they're they're easily yeah they're easily the most popular faction you know in coming out of New Japan other than um, the Bullet Club. I mean yeah, even though they're well, not actually internationally. Really, yeah it, yeah because they're, they're not actually a New Japan faction. Yeah. They're actually CMLL. But anyway, yeah. Well yeah, but you know they're they're the Japanese version. That's why they're Los Ingobernables de Japón. Exactly. Which, speaking of getting LAJ members on the card, brings us to our, ne- our next match, which is Will Ospreay and Kazushika Okada taking on Naito and Bushi. Yes. Um, I'm excited for this match. I know, and, and I don't want to get into it, there was some back and forth on Twitter where some people, uh, one person in particular, was claiming that this was basically a house show because this was a tag match. Um, I disagree completely, and I know you do because you discuss- you debated the topic. And I use the word debate because it never got nasty or anything. It was just, you know, a discussion. I mean, he... It was he, a snarky tone. Yeah, but... he got he got snarky and shit heel at points, and I don't like the son of a bitch, and I'll just say it, so... Well, my you know. thing is this. I'll debate anything with anybody in wrestling, but when you're defensive... When the defense of your position is that the other guy's just a mark. When you start throwing that out, that's when... And I think... Who said it? Melt or something. When you start using terms like that, it's because you can't defend your position anymore. Yeah. I'm not saying... You know, if he just came out and said, well, I don't think it's as big a card as it should have been. It feels like a house show to me. Okay, we can agree to disagree. But the way things... Like, if you're getting Okada, Osprey, Naito in a match, and it's on U.S. soil, for U.S. fans, I don't consider that a house show at all. No. And the other thing is, is you got like you got like four championship matches. It's like... It's, to, to call this a house show is to not understand New Japan Pro Wrestling at all, or to just be somebody who wants to stir some shit. Like, that's all there is to it. I'm sorry, if you call this, if you call the G1 Special a house show, you either don't know shit about New Japan, or you're just trying to stir the pot. That's all there is. And we'll get to the match, but obviously Kenny's defending the belt, but to say it's a house show because you put him in a match where you know he's not going to lose, is like saying Sakura Genesis was the house show because everybody knew Sonata wasn't going to beat (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Okada, do you know what I mean? Like, so, okay, because they put Evil in a title match, or they put Okada in a t- or uh, Sonata in a title match, which you know they're not going to win, does that make that a house show? Right. I, you know, so like you said, I I just, I had to get that off, like, get that out there a little bit, because it bothered me, but it is what it is. Oh, it bothered me too, I'm fired up about it right now. <laughs> well, I'll throw more gasoline on the fire then. Um, the next match, this is what we're saying, you're getting Hiro- um, Hiromu is defending the belt against Dragon Lee. Man, that's going to be, that's going to be saying, awesome. Hiromu versus Dragon Lee for the G- IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. What more do you want? Right. I mean, really, and then right after that you get the U.S. title match, you get Juice Robinson versus Jay White. Yeah. Which I think they're doing a really good job of building that matchup. Uh, me too, without a doubt. It doesn't, to me, uh, and and I could be wrong, It's I don't ever have a problem with the way they build matches, because they use logic. Like with the Finley thing, he couldn't beat him, and they were friends or anything. But there's something a little different about the Juice Robinson angle. Like, Jay White's being even more of a dick than normal. Yeah. You know, and, and so I, I sniff, and this could be me, I sniff title change right there. Me too. Me too. And I think that it also leads nicely into, uh, you know, Jay White feeling like he's really got to do something in the G1, which will make his matches even more interesting. If he comes yeah. in there as U.S. champ, there's kind of an element of just sort of like, eh, you know, I, I, I got this belt. I, you know, if, if I don't come out ahead on this, it's not the end of the world. I want to do well. I'd love to win it. But, you know, not that that would be his mentality, but I think for no, a I, fan, I know. Pres- you know. The presentation of it. But exactly. I, and I think the belt, the funny thing is I think the belt for Juice does the exact opposite 
Mm-hmm. It lights a fire under him that now he knows he can hang with some of these people in single competition, and it, it, it presents him in a much better way going into the G1. Yeah. Plus, and am I the only one here? If I, you know, this stuff, we'll get to it, obviously, you know, when we cover the Kazuna Rocho, but Juice is going to be in a cast, right? Yes, yes. Am I the only one that would have Juice have, I would have a ref bump and have Juice clobber him with the cast <laughs> and knock him out cold? Because here's the thing. People hate Jay White so much; they're not going to look on Juice for using a tactic like bad for using a tactic like that because they're going to say Jay White has it coming. And right. two, you get the belt off Jay White without making him look weak at all. He got clobbered by a cast and knocked out when the ref wasn't looking. Yeah, I think they both come out of it going into. The, if you do that, they both come out of it going into the G One with some momentum. Or, yeah, or at I, least an axe to grind. I completely agree. And with the attitude that Jay White has had anyway, you know, sort of, I mean, really for the bulk of the year, um, you know, since joining Chaos and, and, and especially the teases that we've gotten over the last couple of months, um, I think he's, yeah, I think he's, his attitude and, and the potential of losing the title and going into the G1 without a belt easily make him sort of a dark horse contender. I, I don't think he's going to win, obviously, but I wouldn't be surprised if he racks up some points early and people are I, looking at him, you know, even even with a couple of, like, upset, not upset wins, but big wins for him. I would not, and I'm, I'm just throwing this out there, I'm not saying I'm calling it, and we'll get into the G1, like, we'll really cover G1 next week. You're with, right. Uh, with our official predictions and everything. It would not shock me one bit if Jay White won the A block. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it wouldn't be shocking if you were to sit there and, and ask me, like, I, obviously I think Okada's the favorite, but if right. you ask me after that who's the most likely person to win the block, besides Tanahashi, I'd probably say Jay White. I mean, hell, if they want, let's face it, on, on day one, the, the well, actually, you know what, let's, we'll, I'll save that. Let's go ahead and get into the, the main event real quick, just okay. so we can finish up with the special, and then no we'll problem. talk a little bit about yeah, G1. Yeah, we're bouncing around a little bit, but that's because these stories are all intertwined. It's hard to cover certain things without... Um, but now when we get to the main event, which I, I want to take, a, I'm, I'm not one to, to uh, blow my own horn here, but toot toot. All right, <laughs> I I said this was going to be the main event a while ago. Yeah, I just think it made the absolute most sense for a North American audience. And I, the thing that the telltale sign to me that we were going to get this here was the fact that they had Cody win the match at the Ring of Honor Supercard Show. Mm, I think that mm, was mm-hmm. the, was a clue that they were going to have a return bout somewhere and that it was going to be in a New Japan ring. Yeah. Because they gave it to Ring of Honor the first go-around. And to me, and I've also been calling that I think this is the blow-off match and after this there's a Bullet Club reconciliation with Cody and Kenny. And, I, and they've been teasing it a little bit in the Being the Elite or even at the end of Dominion. I th- and you can say whatever you want. I, I think that it makes more sense in the long run to have Cody in the Bullet Club. And I think they're going to keep Kenny in because they're part of the Golden Elite now, part of the Bullet Club. They're going to run with that for a while. I don't think it's going to be... I think you're going to have... I, I don't even want to say it's going to be a reconciliation. It's, it's going to be an armistice for a sure, while. Sure, sure. That I think at some point blows up in somebody's face. I could see that. I think that the, I think that I definitely think something comes out of it and and whether or not it is sort of the armistice, like you're saying the you know, the reconciliation or the exact opposite, which finds 
Kenny out of the Bullet Club, like completely for real, done, no longer I, in the Bullet Club at I, all. I can't see that happening, especially I, after I, they just put him back with the Bucks and they have this whole Golden Elite thing. I, right, I, and but I don't the think thing is, is, is Kenny, be, Kenny yeah. in his. But, uh, let me finish my thought though, because the thing is, is Kenny made it very clear in his interview after winning the title that the Golden Elite is different from the Elite, and that the Elite is different from the Bullet Club. So in Kenny's mind. He could still be the elite and the golden elite without being in the Bullet Club. And I get what you're saying. I just think, and this is my opinion, that they're going to all play nice for a while, and then it's going to rear its head later on. I, I you know, look, I, I don't disagree, um, but I think that the other the other route for them to go is is to is to find Kenny completely out of the Bullet Club, um, and, and and I think that it makes more sense to not do that because of all in because I think if you have them going into all in as a unified front and then something happens at all in that causes the the kind of the final breakdown I think that ends up being more interesting um see I, I, I think it's almost I'm sorry I, I just say I think it's almost going to be the exact opposite of what you're saying I think they have this match Cody after he loses begrudgingly shakes Kenny's hand or something right mm-hmm. so they're they're back together but there's this underlying tension and then I think, and this I could be wrong, I'm predicting something months away, I think Cody wins the NWA championship at All In. Mm-hmm. And I think Kenny comes out to congratulate him. And that's where the hatchet gets buried, at least for a while. Especially, and if you're right, especially if they go to an Omega Abushi uh, match for the Dome, you could set this up where something happens with Abushi, and now you have... Cody in his ear constantly. I tried to tell you. I told you he was no good. Blah 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 blah. And you could even if it's wrong, he could be that little, you know, the voice on his shoulder. Sure. You know, there's so many different ways they could go. But I think we're both in agreement that Kenny's obviously going to win this match. Cody's not winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Right, 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 right. <laughs> no, no, no. Dear, dear Cody is not going to win the championship. Um, the so so. Let's go ahead and move into G one real quick. Um, and and why don't you go ahead and run through the blocks, or I'll run through the blocks, okay. whatever. Uh, you, I got You take the A. I'll take the B block. Whichever. I don't care. Okay. Um, you prick, because you knew the B block was better. All right. The, <laughs> um, they're both strong. Obviously, the B block is deeper, but the A block you have Michael Elgin. Evil, who I think they're going to make Evil look pretty good here. Yeah. Bad Luck Fale, Togi Makabe, Kazuchika Okada, Hangman Page, Minoru Suzuki, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Jay White, and Yoshihashi. Can I just say for the record that I like everybody in the block meaning in the G1 except one? Oh, yeah? I would have preferred, and people say I'm out of my mind, I would have preferred Tanahashi not being in the G1. Ooh, wow, wow. I just... Here's my thing about Tanahashi at this point. I don't think he wins the G1. No. Okay? And of a guy his stature, to put him in where he's going to have to lose some of these matches, I would rather him almost not be in it and used a little bit differently so when he is in a match, you don't have to make him look as bad. Like, he's going to have to drop matches here. Like, losing in the main event to Okada like he did at, um, was it Dantaku, was mm-hmm. fine. But what, how's he going to, if he turns around and loses to Jay White or he loses to Evil or something, I think it hurts him a little bit, and I think he's well, above that now. 
I, I, I so I, I would agree with the evil thing, maybe, but but I definitely don't agree with the Jay White thing. I, I think that a match between Jay White and Tanahashi, uh, you know, a is is going to be good for this block and and could be a match where Jay White gets a big upset oh, win. That's what I'm saying, um, but I don't know. I don't want to see that happen to Tanahashi. I'm not saying it's a bad thing for Jay White or the block or the company. I just almost like I get this romantic view of things. Like when I see a legend in wrestling sure. who's kind of past their prime, I almost want them more protected to not tarnish their leg their legacy at all. Do you know what I mean? Like I get- and, and, and we go back to the WrestleMania thing. How mad was I about the whole Undertaker thing? For yeah. that exact reason. So I mean I just it doesn't bother me because you're going to get great matches out of it, but I would have just preferred in a way if Tanahashi wasn't there and maybe another young guy was. I get that because, like, even thinking about last year's G1, I mean, it it, it killed me, but I think I was glad that it killed me that Nagata, knowing it was his last G1, had the G1 that he did because it, it it's one of those things where you see these great matches that he's having with everybody and he can't buy a win, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, oh, man, he's one of the all-time greats. And and then you just get to a, a point where you're like, well, yeah, but he's not anymore. And I think that I, you know, I mentioned this um, uh, on one of the message boards or something. I think actually, where you know Tanahashi right now, as much as we might not want to admit to it, is is on the downward phase of his career. Sure and, he is. and and I'm not saying that you know he he doesn't have another possible you know run in him or or that he doesn't have uh you know great matches ahead of him i think he'll have great matches until the day he retires what i'm saying is is that he's no longer he's always going to be the ace but he's no longer the ace and so i'm sorry go ahead i thought you were done uh, no i was just all i was gonna say is so i i don't see a problem with him dropping matches in the g1 just because of the nature of the g1 but i get where you're coming from yeah no and i just look at him you know what to use an, an analogy here when I see these guys and this thing happen to them, it always reminds me when I was a kid, right? Mm-hmm. My favorite football player in the world was Joe Montana. And it was like, to me, watching him lose matches in this or get his legacy tarnished a little bit, it was like watching Joe Montana on the Chiefs. Sure. He was still pretty good, but it just didn't look right. Yeah. Like, I don't want Tanahashi to... Plus, I think, in a way, like you said, his on he's on the downward slope a little bit. And I don't think he's on the downward slope just physically. It's booking-wise. Yeah, they passed him by now in a way. This is about Okada and Omega, and they they're going to have to like very soon get some of these newer, younger guys up into that like the the top four kind of an idea. I just would rather Tanahashi have other matches and not have to lose. Like you know what I mean? If they put, take him out of the G one, he could have just had a bunch of wins and other matches. Plus, sure. I would have rather seen somebody. I'm trying to think somebody at the top of my head. Like, hell, I, is, you know, I'm going to catch heat for this. I would have rather seen Cody in this position. <laughs> and I'm not the world's biggest Cody fan with his in-ring work. I like Cody more of his, as a character. But I think you could have put Cody in here and gave him a couple big wins and made him just look stronger for the future. Yeah. Uh, personally, what I want to see, and, and, and Kenny Omega actually mentioned this in his um, uh, podcast interview they did with X-Pac about um, more talent from other promotions because yeah. there was a time you know when you got a lot of talent from other promotions in the g1 and that hasn't happened these past few years and uh i, I just think that we're we're right for it you know i mean daisuke sekimoto when he was doing the lionsgate project show afterwards you know in his interview he said that he would love to be a part of the g1 um that he had a win over okada you know and he'd like to see what would happen if they got in the ring again and and i yeah. think that I can understand all the homegrown talent. I can understand the fact that really when it comes to, you know, you've got um, 
I mean, Juice, Zack Sabre Jr., Kenny Omega, and Michael Elgin, like, and Hang, well, not Hangman Page, actually, and Jay White, uh, you know, you've got some talent that, that are, are, are sort of like Gaijin talent, um, but, uh, oh, sorry, yeah. no, no, that's all right, um, but, but at the same time, it, it's like, well, Tamatanga, I, I mean, it, it's, but it's still a very much a new Japan roster, yeah, like, there's the nobody Gaijin on here with the exception... Wrong. Right. The only person on here who's not, as far as I know, a new Japan talent is Hangman Page. I mean, Hangman Page is still Ring of Honor. So, other than that, it's a very, very, you know, new Japan roster, which is which is great. It's fine. It's probably the way that it should be. But, um, ha, ha, like, what if I were to tell you we were to take Tanahashi out, right? Mm-hmm. And I could turn around and put somebody like Punishment Martinez in there. <laughs> Does that not, like, if you're Ring of Honor, there's a guy that can get a big rub from being in this. Plus, it's a guy you can bring over for cross-branded shows, or you can bring in for tours. Now that's a higher-profile guy. I like, think Ta- only- Hiroshi Tanahashi is always going to be Tanahashi. You could track that guy out at sixty; he's going to give you a great match, and the crowd's going to pop. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't need to, to build him up. He is the ace. He's the one in a, in a century. And you know? I, you know what? And I, and, and again, I totally understand your point of view. But I think for New Japan and New Japan booking, the idea is is that the G One is the best of the best, and 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 that without Tanahashi in the tournament, then everybody's going to be sitting there scratching their head, like, why the hell isn't Tanahashi in the tournament? Because there are a lot of people out there that do believe that he could win at the very least, win the A block. Now, I yeah. don't know if he will, but, I, I, I mean, I think the fact that he's still got to be a legitimate threat to anyone you know, anyone in that block. Like, he can beat any one of those guys with the possible exception of Okada. Like, when I look at that block, I could see, I could see Tanahashi beating every single person on there except maybe Okada. Um, no, I agree. I just, you know... No. You know, a lot of this we're going to talk more when we preview. The we, yes, we depth, will. I, I my, will. My food for thought here. I will say that on on July fourteenth, where you've got the the first night of matches um, and their A block matches, it's it's. I mean, to me, you've really, in a way, you've put together the four best guys in the block, in my opinion, in the two top matches with Okada versus Jay White and Tanahashi versus Suzuki. I think that you know, if I had to, if I had to say. Who are the guys that are going to, you know, have a, a legit shot at winning the block? Those are the four guys. Um, but yeah, you, you know, obviously, I say we'll we'll talk more about that later. Why don't you give us the B block before I so ask the, you a question? Sure. So for the B block, we have Kenny Omega, your IWGP Heavyweight Champion, uh, Tetsuya Naito, Kota Ibushi, Zack Saber Jr., Hiroki Goto, Sonata, Juice Robinson, Tama Tonga, Tomohiro Ishii, and Toru Yano. Because that block is stacked. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, All right, it with is. the exception of Yano, and I mean, Yano's fine in tournaments like this because he's going to give you something different. I yes. know it's not different for him, but it'll be change of pace matches. But um, now that we're, we have the whole blocks, like both blocks in front of us, right? Yep. Who do you was the biggest, like, and I'm using air quotes here, snub? The guy that you felt should have been in this for whatever reason. And I'm not even saying who would you take out, just who do you think? Like, to me. I would have liked to have seen David Finley in this. Yeah. And I think he could have really helped him to be in this. I mean, it could hurt him, too, like if you put him in there and you have him job out all the time. but Right, because the thing is, here's, here's the thing. Like, when we talk about it being the best of the best, and the best are in there for the most part, you've also got guys like, no offense, but you've got guys like Yoshihashi and Toriyano and... 
and and even to a degree, you know, I mean, you got to have people that are going to eat some pinfalls, just like we were talking about with the best of the Super Juniors. But even to a degree, you look at somebody like Hangman Page, or you look at somebody like Tamatonga, and those are great guys. And I like, you know, I like both those guys. But if you took any combination of those four guys out of this tournament and replaced them with four other guys, I don't know that I would be sitting here saying, why the hell isn't so-and-so in the tournament, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to complain about watching Tomatonga, but there's a guy who's basically a tag team guy all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you put him in here. I mean, I think most people, and maybe I'm wrong, if you were to say, you know, without trying to piss anybody off or be a jerk about it, who would you take out of it? The first name I would take out of this is Yano. Yeah, and then Yoshihashi. And then Yoshihashi. And then I would like to see, like, other guys in there. But, I mean, overall, it's hard to complain with the guys they picked. I mean, when, when you have one block having Ishii, Ibushi, Goto, Naito, Omega, Juice, and Zack, and Sonata all in one block, I mean, Jesus Christ. I know. You I know. know. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty insane. Um, yes. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it, it's an incredibly stacked block. I think it's going to give us some, uh, well, I know it's going to give us some incredible matchups. I mean, hell, on the first night alone, you get Omega, Naito, and you get Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr., I, I, I think that you know the drama right there of of, of is Naito going to beat Omega on night one? Um, you know to set up a match between the two of them. I will say this: if Naito beats Omega on night one, I don't think Naito wins the tournament because he'll have a claim to a title agree. shot. You know what I mean? So it's like if Naito loses that match, that's going to be yeah, what I'm going to start thinking. Oh shit, maybe he but, is going to win the tournament. But here's <laughs> the thing too: like I don't always buy into that. Oh, he beat him, so he has a, he has a claim to the t- a title shot. That only works if the guy still has the title. Like, when, when Ishimori beat Will Ospreay, everybody's like, well, it's no big deal. He doesn't need to win the, the tournament because he's going to get a title shot because he beat him. Well, Will Ospreay's not the champ, so what happened to that title shot? Sure, you know what I'm well, trying to say? I, I know if you want to keep the belt on it, it's an easy sell later on. Yeah, I think it's Yeah. I mean, traditionally, that is what happens. Like, if you pin the champ in the, the G1, the you champ. get your... Like, Evil last year, like, Evil pinned Okada. Evil got a title shot at... at um, uh, was it was it at King of Pro Wrestling? It was either... The, yeah, it had to be, because it wasn't Power Struggle. Yeah. So, um, so it's like... I mean, traditionally, that's just kind no, of the way no, that it's I, always I know gone. that's how it works in New Japan, but I'm saying it only works as long as that guy still has the title. That's very true. You are absolutely right. You're absolutely so, right. Uh, um, one big thing, too, is we should tell everybody... The, the matchups on the last night yeah. are, are somewhat telling. I mean, you have... I mean, I'm pulling this off the top of my head. I could be wrong. But in the B block, you have Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr. Yep. And Ibushi is... Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega wrestled the last night. Yeah. And I think in the A block, is it Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi in the last it, night? It is indeed. Yep. I mean... No, that doesn't mean they're going to win the, divi- the 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 block. You could have a... It just means that they're going to be in play for the block at the last night. I think that what's going to end up happening based on these last uh, uh, two nights is that Jay White is absolutely going to be in striking distance of winning the A block and that whether or not, you know, it's going to come down to Kintanahashi beat Okada to give White the A block, you know, sort of thing. Like, I think it's probably going to come down to something like that or, you know, Okada beat Tanahashi and win the block. With the B block, it's different, man, because the thing is, is like, I don't, I don't see them... Not that it's out of the question. I'm trying so hard to get you on board with this Naito thing. (laughs) And you know what? I got you wavering a little, don't I? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Because, like, I'll be honest. When, 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 you know, I'm in the pack of of fans that sees, and I'm not not saying this is what's going to happen, you know. I, I said that about Omega winning the title, not saying that here. But 
I'm in the block of fans that says Obushi wins the G1 and we get Obushi Omega at the Dome. Now, the, the, you know, there are a lot of variables at play that make me think maybe that's not the case, and we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. But yeah. when I look at this, you know, the final night, and I see Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr., it reminds me that Zack Sabre Jr. is someone they're very high on. He won the yes. New Japan Cup. Now, the likelihood of him winning the New Japan Cup and the G1 Block B and going to the G1 Finals and winning the G1, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But the idea of him playing spoiler, especially after he's already beat Naito this year, that's the other thing that's fascinating about Zack Sabre Jr. is he's going to face all of the guys that he beat in the New Japan Cup in the G1. So it's going to say a hell of a lot about you know how they feel about Zack Sabre Jr. if he's able to get wins again over some of these guys, with the exception, oh, obviously, of Tanahashi. Well, but. he's going to get wins. Oh, I'm hell yeah. Stick, I'll give my official prediction next week, but I'm sticking as of right now with my, what I said right when I saw them, that I think Omega and Ibushi wrestle to a 30-minute draw. Yeah, and then what happens is the Naito Zack Saber Jr. winner winds up winning the block, and I think it's going to be Naito. I think it's set up, and that continues this. That plays right into the Abushi Omega thing. To me, to me, that is in in a lot of ways that is the best story. It's the best story because it it, it shows that Abushi, you know. That Omega can't beat Ubushi, but that Ibushi can't beat Omega. Um, and it also puts Naito in, in position to win the G1. The other thing about Naito winning the G1 is when I first, when, it, when you first said that, I was like, I don't think he's going to win it twice in a row. And I've said that to a couple of other people that have, that have mentioned it to me. Now that I'm thinking about it, though, I, I'm looking back on when Chono came into the ring and did the fist bump with him last year. And it felt like a lot of people, you know, kind of said it felt kind of almost like a passing of the torch. And starting to think about that, it's like, if I was going to make someone the next sort of Mr. G1, not that anyone's going to duplicate that, or give them the same rub that somebody like Tenzan got from winning two in a row, or that Chono got from winning two in a row, it would be Naito. Because Okada doesn't need it, you know, Tanahashi doesn't need it, Omega doesn't need it, you know, none of those other guys were even in position for it. So I could see that. I could see that. And and we'll see how I feel in a week. Um. Yeah, and I'm just going to say one last thing before we move on. Yeah. You know, you could say, like, people say, well, Naito's been, his year's been really weird and, and losing to Jericho and everything, right? How yeah. many Western fans have watched more of Naito this year because of his exposure with Jericho than previous? Or, or, or maybe not watched him, but been more excited for his match. Like, you know, they just, you could say whatever you want, that they had him drop the IC belt to Jericho, but they just put a ton of Western eyes on him right before G1 and then the Tokyo Dome. Right. So we'll see. We, we shall see. And we have a, a whole other week to kind of fine-tune our predictions. And if our if my prediction goes as well as my Best of Super Junior predictions, then I'm going to be screwing this all up anyway, so don't worry. <laughs> no, I mean, I we did, know, although, no, you mean... know... Our, our Super Junior predictions, we didn't do too bad. I mean, we missed matches and everything, but we had the the two guys in the final. Yeah, we did. We yeah, both we had did. The, you had the, the guy winning. So, yeah. But speaking I, of people, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I just I just was want to say. I mean, I, I I the more I think about, it, the more I think that Naito winning it, it does end up it tells a better story, and that's not because 
I think that Naito Okada is like the best story going. We, we had a, a nice conversation with J.W. Thompson on Twitter yesterday about this. Um, I don't think the Okada Naito story is the best story in New Japan right now. I don't know if it's even in the top three for me right now. I think that it might be the story that eventually has the best payoff, but I don't think it's the one that's being highlighted right now. And I don't see, I could be completely wrong about this, but I do not see Naito Okada in the Dome again this year. I don't. I see it in 2020. I see it for the title, and I see Naito winning, but I do not see it in 2019. I no, don't I think, think it makes gonna, sense to do I it. I think we're going to get Naito Omega. I do too. Because, especially and I've been saying the from the beginning, back and I, forth. I don't think, and I've been hard on this, I'm, well, with this caveat, and, and we did put this on Twitter, I think some of this depends, and you disagree, but I think some of it depends on what happens with Kenny Omega's contract. Yes. If Kenny signs a contract, at least even if it's just a year extension, I think they sit and they slow burn the Omega Abushi thing. Sure. And they put Naito winning the G1, Naito against Omega, and you can even put get, somehow get to an Abushi Okada match if you wanted to. Right. Um, like right below it. If Kenny won't resign, let's just say WWE makes a huge offer, which we, we don't think he's going to go to WWE. We hope he doesn't go to WWE, which, but, you know, it, he's also a businessman. If he goes, then I think plans might change and you could see the Ibushi Omega match because if they don't do it, then they might never get a chance to do it. Right. I think that could change. And maybe it won't. I mean, it's possible he doesn't resign and they just have him lose to Naito at the Dome or whatever they want to do. The only thing that scares me is I think if Naito wins the G1 this year, he has to win the Wrestle Kingdom main event. Hell yes, think, he does. I think it would look... It would be awful to have him win the G1 two years in a row and then lose the main event. And, yeah. and everybody and their brother thought he was going to win last year, and it makes perfect sense in a way that he didn't because nobody knew they were going to do this long, historic title run with Okada. Right. I, if they weren't going to do that that historic title run with Okada, I think they would have had Naito win. But they oh, were yeah. going, for, you know, but we'll see. You know, if he, if he comes out, he can't lose the main event two years in a row. No. But... Now, speaking of people in the G1, unless you have anything else you want to add... Nope. We have an interesting situation develop with a certain member of the B-Block, who is the flamboyant one, <laughs> Mr. Juice Robinson. His hand is broken. Yeah. Um, I asked, too, if this was a legit thing or kayfabe. It seems to be legit, because if you watch the video, his hand is not looking the best. No. So, he is going to wrestle in a cast for at least the rest of the Kazuna Road tour uh, with some special rules. I think the rule, if I read this correctly, is that if the referee deems he uses the cast in any way to hurt his opponent, that he can be disqualified, correct? Yes. Like he can't haul up and hit a, and, and hit a right with hand over the top and knock somebody out with it. Right, right, right. Which... Obviously, his hands in the cast, because I mentioned earlier that the G1 show in the United States, he should club him right upside the head with the cast when the rest yeah. <laughs> to cool but, the title. <laughs> yeah, it'd be the greatest thing ever. The, the baby face uses the heel tactic, but it works because everybody hates the heel so much, they figure he has it coming. Especially right. since he's the one who broke his hand. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, so it was interesting. Another cool little thing about Juice in that is... Did you? I don't know if you watched every match. I kind of was skimming along and watching the the, the main points when Juice did the, flipped his hat up. Did you see that? Uh, and it got caught. Juice. Uh, oh. And it got caught up on the rafters, <laughs> yeah. the lighting rig, and like the best was they made such a big deal about it. Yeah. And I'm watching it in Japanese, so like with the commentary when he throws it, 
if you rewatch it, you can see the other wrestlers looking like what just happened. Right. But you had no idea what's going on in the crowd. Then they zoom the camera right in. And yeah. then you hear Juice cursing about it. I mean, it was just one of those funny little things that you can't plan. No. But I found it to be comical. Yes. I don't know about you. No, no, I completely I completely agree. I mean, just his whole presentation, I feel like it's, it's grown on me so much because uh, I was not the biggest Juice guy. Uh, you know, at, at first I was like, oh, man, you know, it's good to see him in the ring and, and, and working the style and wrestling the style. And then I kind of, like, fell off of him a little bit. And I was like, eh, okay, whatever. And then, you know, he just, I, I was like, all right, he's a good, solid, you know, mid-card, lower mid-card guy, I guess. Uh, but the past few months he's been creeping back up on me, and, and, and I've been appreciating what he's been doing a little bit more. Did you see that Kevin Owens said that he's the best promo in the business? I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I love Juice promos because they're like, I. but if Juice is going to, like, if you watch the backstage segments, I got to make sure my kids aren't around if Juice is on the card. I know. Because every other word out of his mouth is a curse word. Yeah. He throws the F-bomb out quite a bit. It, but it works for him. And, like, I love how he does it and he's almost apologetic for doing it. But then he does it right after again. Yeah. Like, he'll curse, too, and say stuff like, I shouldn't talk like that, but that motherfucker, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Uh, I mean, and for anybody, too, if you, it, I don't know if you've ever saw this, um, if you like Juice or whatever, I was putzing around the one day on the network, and uh, if you go around the network, New Japan World, um, you can go down, they have the on-the-road like uh, segments, like the documentaries. There's a really cool, I think it's a three- or four-part one about Juice, where... They like they interview his father back in Illinois, and it's it's really heartwarming when he talks about his father. And he's cra- like he gets teary eyed and everything, but it really gives you an insight into the Ju- Juice Robinson the person. Oh, nice! It's really well done too. I'll take and, a look at it. I, and the only reason I watch that one is I find the ones that are with an English speaking wrestler easier to follow. Of course, because you're not reading. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not relying on subtitles when they're talking. But yeah, no, it's it's each part's maybe ten minutes. I can't remember off the top of my head if it's three part or four part, but it really is worth watching. Yeah, it's, just a, it's, a, uh, it's just no, it's just it's great stuff. It's such great stuff. I yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of the presentation of the product and and what they've been doing, and and, and especially now with you know with Harold May and 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 sort of I feel like the reinvigorated international expansion stuff. Um, I, I think that it's it's only going to get better from here. Um, you know, I mean, hell, we had fucking English commentary on Lionsgate Project, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, that that guy like, completely took me back when I flipped it on. I even texted you, like, what is this? Because usually the Lionsgate Project shows don't have any commentary. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, we have Kevin Kelly doing it. I'm like, what the... It, it was awesome. Yeah. No, I, I wish they would do more of that. Even if it was not Kevin Kelly, I just wish they would do more of that. Like, yeah. I think these Kazuna Road shows would have been more enjoyable for me if there was an English... Like, don't be wrong, I enjoyed them without... But the English commentary just gives you a little, a little bit more insight into what's going on, especially yeah. when things happen or like people are talking and you don't get the gist of what they're saying. Like I would have loved either a translator or an English commentary team when the Super Strong uh, Machine retirement ceremony. retirement ceremony. Yeah, it was I know. Really I, I was to watch and it was well done, but I didn't know anything they were saying. Luckily, Chris Charlton, his Twitter, like you know, he was translating, so I, I was able to kind of get get it from there. But uh, but you're right. I mean, it would be really cool if there was somebody on there uh, uh, doing it, you, you know, live um, for for English speaking audiences, or even if it was something that like 24 hours later they uploaded it with it or it's something. Just, would be yeah. Fine, but, and like, I don't yeah. need the literal exact for Zach, even exact like translation, but just just if you had somebody there like Django, Django or whatever they call him, who gives you the overall feel of what they're saying, just the mood, what what's going on, that would have been helpful. But well, whatever. 
I sure. digress. I, I spent enough time about their commentary needing English like for every show. I'm not doing it today. <laughs> well, speaking of commentary, uh, interesting podcast uh, dropped this past week with uh, X-Pac yeah. interviewing Kenny Omega. A.K.A. Um, Six-Pac, A.K.A. Six, A.K.A. the One, Two, Three Kid. What was he also? The Cannonball Kid? Lightning Kid, Cannonball Lightning kid, kid, Just yeah. The Kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sean Waltman, so, by any other yes. name. Um and uh, some you know some cool stuff came out of it you, you know stuff like um, Kenny talking about he and Okada wanting to make each fall different and, and kind of feel like each fall was its own match um, apparently and and I was a little surprised to hear this just because I would have been fine I mean it's going to happen at some point of course it's going to happen but I would I would have been fine not being teased about it or hearing anything about it uh, uh, Okada five yeah he teases Okada five uh, saying that they've that they've already got a couple of big ideas for that. Um, well, I mean, we know it's going to happen at some point, sometime down the road, if he stays with the company. It's of course. Which, I guess the thing is, is it just was, it, I don't know, hearing about it made me kind of go like, oh man, I just, I don't want any, I don't want to hear anything about it yet, because I just want to sit in the memory of Dominion uh, yeah, for a little the, bit longer. The earliest I think you get, <laughs> the earliest I think you could get that match is not this year's Wrestle Kingdom, but the following year. Like, they're not going to throw this in your face anytime soon it's going to be over a year at least yeah yeah most likely most most fine. likely i i think it's the right call it's the best the best set of matches ever yeah okay in the history of wrestling and we don't want to see the next one how bizarre is that it's it's insane i don't want to dilute what we just saw i know right and i almost <laughs> wish they never wrestle each other again because at some point they're gonna inevitably it's human nature they'll have a match because the the hype and the expectations keep getting raised and raised you're gonna get to a point where they can't live up to it Right, just well, it's like Tanahashi and Okada. Yes. It's like, you know, it, it's like their last match was really good, but it wasn't anywhere near as good as, as like their Wrestle Kingdom matches, you know? Could, Okada and Omega could go out and wrestle a 60-minute match, and Dave Meltzer could give it six stars, and people are going to say, yeah, it was a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's, exactly. The most, that's the craziest thing ever. And speaking of six stars, one of the other things that I thought was fascinating about the interview is he was talking about Tanahashi and about how apparently Tanahashi was not a fan of uh, of Omega Okada one um, that he thought they did too much that uh, that that there were too many dangerous spots um, and that apparently Tanahashi it, it, and it was it was said in a very sort of um, Hyperbolic nature. It was. It was. It was. It was more. You know, joking as opposed to it being serious. But apparently, Tanahashi hates Omega. Um, and, yeah, and, I. Always, I took that to mean he hates Omega, the the character, the wrestler, not the person. Yeah. I just don't think he likes their style. As yes, much. exactly. I think Tanahashi is very much. Yeah, he's, he's got more of an old school mindset, and you know, Kenny is, is all about pushing the envelope and, and you know, taking things further. So um, it was really cool. The, the other notable thing that I wanted to mention about it was uh, he apparently he and Kota Ibushi um, did not want to do the match for the G1. They did not want to be in the same block, um, but the ghetto was, you know, was very adamant and was, you know, practically on, on the verge of begging them that, that like, no, 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 it's going to be great. You know, we have to do it. We have to do it now. Um, so, so of course they were like, okay, you know, we'll do it, which is, which is a great insight into um, the relationship between the talent and, and the booker in that situation. And, and yeah. clearly, you know, ghetto's more than that because he is a wrestler himself, but and, and who I, knows really what cool. they're going to, yeah. And who knows what they're, how that match is going to play out. But if you read that, too, doesn't the whole idea of maybe them going to a 30-minute draw make a total amount of, like, just make sense? Yeah. Like, okay, I want you to do it because it's going to further the story. Neither one of you can beat the other one, and, and we build off that. Like, it, it makes so much logical sense that I'm almost afraid they won't do it, but 
this is also New Japan where logic usually dictates booking. Yeah, God, let's let's not. Um, yeah, it really does. Um, uh, he also talked about how he'd love to face Naito and Tanahashi, um, you know, for the title, uh, depend, defend against them at some point. Um, he he mentioned, and I think this is kind of poignant, going back to the beginning of our show, uh, that Vader was the guy that really got him into Japan um, and helped him to get like his his work visa and that sort of stuff. Because yeah. Vader at one point was helping a lot of guys do that, um, and uh, also mentioned about how, which is an, which is another one of those things that again money is money and, and I get that but another thing that kind of makes me feel like he's not fucking leaving Japan is that you know he considers himself to be a resident of Japan um, you know he lives there he has other projects going on there obviously he speaks the language he's you know he's very steeped in in Japanese culture so it's to, for him I, I just think that it's about a hell of a lot more than money and WWE and that's not to say that at some point he might not make that jump but I just don't think it's coming anytime soon yeah um, I, I agree but yeah. you never know if if WWE wants somebody bad enough, they tend to get them. Yeah, for the well, most that's... part, not always. But speaking of WWE, I, I did find that he was amazed by the amount of support that WWE had for that the E three thing. Yeah, yeah, like they really built that up, and that was like that surprised a lot of people because not only did they men- like they didn't just mention it, they put it on their Facebook thing with the unbox and referred to them as like the IWGP Tag Champs and the IWGP Heavyweight Champion and. You know, and they, they yeah. covered the, and, and then, and then just to screw with people, yeah, I did. I think they did that just to like screw with people. I'm convinced. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we're talking about Kenny Mega. Oh, we're gonna do one better. We're gonna put him on the network. Yeah, but it's smart. They might as well. They own the footage. The guy's famous. Right. It's not gonna hurt them at one bit. It's not no. like all of a sudden. Like, listen, I really doubt all of a sudden somebody who doesn't watch New Japan saw that little hidden gem promo from Deep South Wrestling and say, you know what? I'm going to watch this guy wrestle in Japan just because of that little 30 seconds. So it doesn't hurt them in any way, shape, or form. No, The only thing it did was pop guys like you and me and our listeners, you know, and be like, oh, shit, look what they did. Um, I also like the – he he also did mention the fact that he would love someday to to, uh, wrestle Ishikawa. Yeah. Suji Ishikawa, which was – I thought that was neat because he had talked about how he – and we covered that earlier, that he would like to see guys from other promotions in the G1. Right. So yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I, I it was it was a very cool interview, and you know there were times to be completely honest where it felt like it, it, I don't know because it's a podcast and because you've got your hosts on that sometimes when you get an interview in there it becomes less about the interview and more about the podcast, and so it definitely yeah. felt like there were times when it wasn't necessarily all about Kenny Omega, which. You know, obviously that's all I wanted. But, um, uh, oh, one other thing that he said that was really, really cool, and X-Pac was all over this about talking about how awesome it was that they did this, is that he and Matt Jackson apparently saw one another hardly at all when they were doing the whole, you know, uh, tease with, with the elite, you know, breakup or whatever. Um, so for the better part of about six months, they, they had very little contact with one another, so that a lot of the emotion that came out in the Dominion hug was, was, you know, was very real to them because it had been so long since they'd really you know, had, had a moment together like that, which I thought was very, very cool. And, uh, and X-Pac put it over big time about, you know, yeah, selling an angle that way and, you know, living it and, and, you know, kind of doing the method actor thing, you know? Yeah. And the crazy part about that is, and, and I, you know, I know it's a scripted, you know, like the outcomes are predetermined, I should say not, maybe not scripted, but, um, if you're the Bucks, right, especially Matt Jackson, cause well, I guess both of them, I don't know why I would say Matt, but both of them, you've been with this guy for how long? 
And every big moment, every time he's ever gone for the title, you're out there with him. Is it? I know it's great storytelling, but is it almost and not in a way a little bit bittersweet that when he finally wins it, you're in the back watching a monitor? Yeah. Like I know then you come out, but like isn't there part of you says, "Man, I get why we're doing it and it makes sense, but I wish we were out there." Sure. See this with our own two eyes right there to feel the crowd instead of being behind it, watching on the monitor. No, that's that's I mean that's an awesome point. That really really is. I I, I don't disagree with that at all. And maybe and like you said, that plays into the the genuine emotion that you see play out for the cameras when they do come out. Yeah, right. But yeah, that had to be weird for them. You know? Speaking of weird, get this yeah. shit. WWE is sending Hideo Itami, better known as Kenta, over to uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, which is his old stomping grounds for a match. And apparently the uh, two promotions are going to get in bed together. What well, the here's, fuck? All right, here's the deal on this. I didn't know anything about this till this morning. Okay? Yeah. I don't think and, a lot of and, people did. And to be honest with you, I usually try to, like, I, I'm so torn because I try to, like, follow some of the news that's happening. But in order to do it, you have to look at the dirt sheets. And a lot of times I don't like to look at the dirt sheets because it might give me information I don't want to watch. Because sometimes I like to just watch something. Sure. Um, But I saw this. Uh, a little. I'm going to peel the curtain back here a little bit. Sam, every time we're going to do a show, sends me a little format just to kind of keep us, have an idea where we're going to go. I'm looking at it, I said, WWE, no, a working relationship. What the shit is this? <laughs> so I I had to do, you know, a little research, if you will, which means just pulling out my cell phone and reading some stuff. Um, there is some dispute as to what this really is. I guess Meltzer said it's a working relationship that they're going to, for going forward, at least to some degree. There is one guy on Twitter, I don't know his name, Hisame. Um, but apparently he's been all over, he's like the, the new, um, Noah stuff for like the last couple of years and all the information he gets seems to be correct. Mm. And he tweets in English said that this isn't really a working agreement. This is WWE just gave permission for Kenta to go over and do the show. And the reason they're doing the show is because it's basically a ceremony for Mirafuji being in 20 years in the business. Um, that it's not necessarily precludes them from doing anything, but it's just, at this point, it's just, yeah, we'll let him go do this and see where it goes. Where Meltzer made it sound more like it's an ag- a working agreement. Now, it's it's a funny story, too, when you dig be- a little deeper, because Noah kind of has a working agreement with TNA. But, right. but here's the deal. I also read that TNA is trying to get basically end that to get more of a working agreement with New Japan. And the, the connection there, obviously, is Don Callis. Now, New Japan had a working agreement with TNA in the day, and they were basically so pissed off at the way Okada was used and a couple other things, but that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back, that they ended it. Now... Are they going to? And you're already starting to see the idea that maybe they are forming a new working agreement with TNA because Ishimori is appearing at Slammiversary. Right. So if you're WWE, does this not make sense in a certain way? I mean, they have working agreements now all over the place. They have the one with, uh, what's it, Progress in Britain. Yep. Right? They do stuff with ICW in Scotland. Yep. I mean, they've gone so far as to, I don't know if anybody, you know, if people watch NXT. I, I jaw dropped the one day. I'm watching an interview with, um, oh, what's her name? Dakota Kai? Yeah. And she's wearing a Progress shirt. Yeah. And she didn't have, I mean, she had a jacket on zipped up. But for anybody who knows what a Progress, the logo looks like it was a Progress shirt. 
And that was like the first time I'm like, wow, because usually WWE wouldn't even acknowledge other wrestling exists. In fact, there was a story last year that when they were talking, Daniel Bryant was talking, um, they basically tried to poo-poo matches that they never really happened because it doesn't matter. If it doesn't happen in WWE, it doesn't happen. Right. I can't remember right off the time I had. You remember what I'm talking about. I just can't remember the specifics. There was a mad... I, I, well, whatever. But WWE tends to ignore anything else that doesn't fit their story. I mean, hell, they've in the, in the past ignored their own matches. Yeah. They sold Hogan and Andre as this thing that never happened and nobody could body slam Andre. You go on the network and watch Hogan body slam him five years before in Shea Stadium. Yeah. Or eight years before, or whatever it was. I mean, so, I don't know. I don't know if this is good. If it is a working relationship, it makes sense in one way. Because isn't there a rumor that in August or September there's going to be a Raw from Japan? Oh, yeah. I mean... Look, I get it. You know, the WWE has been a global product for a long time, and now they want to actually go in and be a product within those regions as opposed to being, we're the WWE and we run, you know, 50 states, and every once in a while we'll go to the UK, and then once in a blue moon we'll hit some of these other areas, but most part we're just going to do house shows there. And I get it. They're wanting to build and establish a product and get wrestlers on the brand and, 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 and really do something beyond that, but... Uh, I don't know. The, I mean, product, WWE, the, the product is such crap right now that oh, it's like, I, I don't agree. care. But that's not what we're we're discussing. Because to me, and I could be wrong, with yeah. WWE all of a sudden having working relationship with Progress and ICW and now supposedly Noah, this has Triple H written all over it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know. But, I mean, you're, you know as well as I do, if they want to do a Raw in, in Tokyo, just saying, yeah. Yeah. they could do it anywhere they want because they don't care... If worse comes to worse, they'll give away the tickets to have a packed house, right? Just to make it look full on TV. Where they, I mean, they don't have to worry about making money on that deal. They could do it just to do it if they really, really wanted to. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, you know, at the very least, it's a good working arrangement if they're going to do shows once in a while in Japan, even if they're house shows, to co-brand them with Noah. To have some Noah wrestlers on the show with them, or whatever they want to do, just sure. to draw up some fan interest. If it's the, if it turns out to just be that, it just it's smart. If it turns out to be more than that, we'll see what happens. But you know, who knows? Uh, yeah, it'll be very interesting. I, you know, the thing that makes me, me kind of happy about this is that uh, you know uh, Kenta is, is going to be back in Noah for you know even if it's only for a match. I mean, I think Kenta's best days are behind him uh, in the ring. Uh, you know, I was so excited to have him come over to WWE, um, but I think between the injuries and the poor booking, that you know he just never really had a chance. So it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's fine. But it, it, yeah, whatever, whatever. I think the, it, I think the, really the injuries did him in. I think he wouldn't have been booked the way he was if you didn't constantly keep getting re-injured and angles start and stop and start, you know but what I mean? It just makes it Part of that fucking problem is, is they put him in there with guys who couldn't wrestle their way out of a fucking paper bag. I mean, didn't that one dumbass fucking guy who hasn't even been on TV more than like twice or whatever injure him the second time? What the yeah, hell's his who- name? Um... He was featured on their like on their on their special or whatever, and they tried to drum up sympathy for him, and they've been trying to do everything they can to get him over because he looks like a million bucks, but he's probably the worst fucking wrestler in NXT. Is it that Tino Sabatelli? Sabatelli? Yeah. yeah, 
Fuck because that he guy. was a professional, former professional football player for the Tampa Bay yeah, Buccaneers. Of course, yeah. To see, that's their fucking problem. I'm sorry, I'm hot today, man. I could go on and on about yeah, that, that shit. Fuck, it's Sam? just like, dude, you uh, gotta calm down. You got a baby coming in a matter of weeks, <laughs> and you're over there. This is the maddest I've seen you in a while, and I don't even know why. Like, you know why you're mad? You're mad because we brought up WWE. I am. And you know right. what? Like, and I texted you the other day. Much of a dumpster fire as WWE is, I can't, I cannot take my eyes off watching NXT. Now that, now that, see, you do raise a good point, and I gotta be honest, I am jazzed for the UK tournament, which is really more of an NXT oh, thing. Than... Why did they have to? Like, why couldn't they just air it live for two days like they did last time? I know. I hate when they, I, I, it's, I hate when they tape shit, and I, it's just a product of the times we live in. Because I know, no matter what I try to do, I'm gonna find out. Then they had the tag titles, and then it's hard when they're even like, "Yeah, we taped it. Here's the deal. These happen. Right. We're gonna throw it on our Facebook." Like, I know why they do it in a way because now people say, "Oh, I gotta watch that, see what how it happened." But uh, I just wish it was so much fun last year when they had it over two days live. That like I was like, I made my weekend plans around that last year. Yeah, it was two years ago, whatever it was. Like I, oh, I gotta order food, but the thing starts at two hours, so I'm gonna wait an hour so I have like food when it starts and everything. It was, you know. It is what it is. Yeah, man. No, you're absolutely right. I, I'm totally, I'm totally with you on that. And, and but like we're going to get another May Young. Watch, yeah, so. we're going to get a, the second May Young Classic coming up, which should be great. Like everything, I don't know how one company can have a brand like that where it seems like everything they do is gold, and then their main roster is a complete another dumpster fire. Yeah. Like at some point with the ratings, you turn around and say, "Listen, that's it. The guys who were handling and doing the booking for NXT are now doing it for the whole roster." Let's see if they can do a better job. I don't know. Part of it is the fact that the show's an hour every week. It's an easy watch. We're right. not sitting there for three fucking hours watching, like, you know, uh, bullshit for 90% of it. I know. But I wish they'd go old school. I, I wish like, they'd go old school, though, like in uh, in the uh, uh, TBS days and do an hour and a half. I would love a 90-minute show. Yeah, I think a 90-minute well, show is such a sweet spot. They make such money on the advertising. Now with the new Fox deal and everything, they're gonna, SmackDown's going to become three hours. Because they have to sell all that ad space. Yeah, I know. You know? But, I mean, and I can, they can survive it when they're smart. Like, I watched SmackDown this week for the first time in a long time. And the gauntlet match is great. And the, when they did the gauntlet match a couple months ago on Raw, it was great. It was like an yeah. hour and a half. And I loved yeah. it. But, uh, I digress. We're talking too much about WWE. Let's talk, <laughs> you want to talk about up-and-coming guys in the wrestling world? Let's do besides it, man. NXT? There's a little thing that we love that they call the Lionsgate Project. Yes. And for... If anybody's listening to the show, know that me and Sam are big fans of these. Uh, we did briefly mention a little bit of about it, the fact that it did have English commentary with Kevin Kelly. Yes, it did. Which was awesome. Um, if, if you Please, if you like New Japan and you just you skip these shows, do yourself a favor. Just watch one. Yeah. Watch one. If you like it, great. I think you'll like it. If you don't, at least you can say, hey, I tried it out. Don't just, you know, poo-poo this thing or blow it off. But uh, they're fun. They um, are fun, and in some ways, as crazy as this is going to yeah. sound, I feel like like if you know, even if you didn't want to watch the whole thing, watch the first match and watch the last match. You're going to miss some yeah. stuff. Don't get me wrong, but you but but the first match don't don't skip the first match on the Lionsgate card because it's it's. I mean, good I'm going to be completely honest with you. The third match, and I'm not neg- negative on the match. I was trying to watch it late at night. I fell asleep. Yeah, the third match and on this I card wanna- was there. And when I picked it back up, I'm like, yeah, I just start with the fourth. So there's some stuff I missed. But for the most part, these are great. Yeah. Um, the first match, let's get into the first match real quick. You have 
with a 10 minute time limit, you have Yotsuji took on Yuya Yuminura. Um, these guys have wrestled a couple times now, and one, and again, it went to a time limit draw. And I yeah. love how they're doing this, that these guys are on the same level, they can't beat each other. Yes. Or, or at least great. 10 minutes isn't enough time for them to beat right. each other. Right. Well, it's doing two things. One, it's, it's, it's sowing the seeds of a feud between the two of them. And Uemura and Suji, I think, have potential to, to really, like, especially Suji. Like, Suji, I, I think, can really go for I mean, Uemura's damn good, too. But, uh, yeah, the, it's sowing seeds for the future. Like, five years from now, if these two guys were, you know, in a match or in a G1 or, or whatever the case might be, like, I would be paying attention and I would think to myself, man, remember those times when they couldn't beat each other and they went to all those 10-minute draws? And it's also doing, which is the most important thing for these guys, it's showing that they're outgrowing their young lion status. Like, these guys are, are going to be, not yet, but very soon be ready for excursion and ready to come back and, you know... Yeah, which it, is it, amazing it, because these guys just debuted not that long ago. yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the best young lions classes they've had in a long time. Yeah, let's put this into perspective, okay? We started doing this show in April. It is only the middle of June, and since we've done this show, we covered their debuts. Yeah, I mean, in the young line, but you're right; they're, they're outgrowing at least this portion of the process. Like they're going out, and it, and here's the deal too. It's not that they just went on, went out there and like bumbled their way through ten minutes. They put on a, an exciting, with a limited move set that they're allowed to use, an exciting ten minute match with back and forth and told a story. Yeah, like the story that they can't get one up, one guy can't get too much of an advantage. And I love how like it ended with I believe was it Suji putting Yumanura in the Boston Crab as the bell rang. Yes, or the one legged crab or whatever it was. So I mean. Just two young guys who seem to get it right. Oh no, no, no! I'm right sorry. Up. You know what? That was one of the that was uh, a match they had on Kazuna Road. This match was the match where um, uh, uh, they got a rope break and the Nuomura went for the cover, but the bell sounded before the ref even started to, to okay. count the pinfall. All right, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's it's hard because they wrestled, but yeah, like so you have you have the, no, no. Are you sure? That's why they got off, and then he went to. He was trying to put him in. You're the right. I'm thinking of no. You know what? I'm thinking of Kazuna Road. I got it mixed up. I got it fucking mixed up. You're right. You're right. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking because uh, I, I have notes and I'm thinking, wow, did I take notes on the wrong show? Yeah, no, but it's all right. I, because, I just I was mean, looking but, at the wrong thing. But all in all, very good match between two young lions that are gonna that obviously are showing right out of the shoot that the stage, even the smaller stage, isn't too big for them. Yes. They're, they're going to be just fine. Now, speaking of young lions who are probably getting closer and closer to excursion, let's talk about Ren Narita. Yeah. Now, Ren Narita had a match on this against Shinsuke Sayama. Um, now, what is he? Is he from Big Japan or is these, are these Tying? Uh, no, he's from uh, Tainkai, right? Yeah, Kai and Tai Dojo, yep. Yeah, okay. So they had an eight-minute, two-minute match, um, and it ended with Narita had put... Uh, Sayama in a Boston Crab to get him to tap out. Yeah. Um, another good match. Ren Narita's getting better every time you see him. You know, I don't know if he's ready for excursion yet. I don't know. I, I tend to think there might be guys, two guys that are that are more prepared for him I than him right are, now. Yeah. Um, if you were to ask me who do I think are ready for excursion right now, I would say Oka and Umino. Yeah, would be Umino's the, Umino's the best young lion. Umino is, I mean, I, I mean, no offense to Oka, but in my opinion, Umino's the guy that I look at, and I'm I just think sort of Umino's like, he's, the best he's in-ring be guy. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Umino is the best, the most talented guy. But I just think Oka seems to be so different than the other young lions in a way. And his mannerisms and, and everything that he sets himself apart. I, and he I did have a hell that, of think, a match on this card. So Yeah, we, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, I just think like I think those two guys are further along in the process. Yeah. But this could be good for Narita too because if those guys go out in excursion sh- soon, I think he kind of bumps up then to the number one young lion spot in a way. Where instead of being on this the second match on a card like this, he may be in the fourth or fifth match. Yeah, but that's good. I mean, it's a pecking order. Everybody moves up. Right. No, but yeah, that's that's you're absolutely right. I mean, that's a very very good point, and I think that um, you know should Umino and and Oka end up going on excursion, you know, by the end of this year, then I think Narita would be ripe for it, you know, shortly thereafter, um, and then yeah. Suji and, and Uemura. It would give him know, an opportunity. I think. To, yeah, it would give him an opportunity to move up the card, especially on these shows. And get him ready, and when he can get to the fourth or fifth match on a show like this and put on a really good match in the main event, then you know he's ready to go out. Right. But you know what? I mean, you're not going to send them all out at the exact same time. They're going to stagger it, so they come back, stagger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Anything you want to add about this match? No, no. I mean, it was fun. I, you know, Sayama didn't necessarily impress me a ton, but um, I, he, he's certainly by no means a bad wrestler. <laughs> no, he's got some growing to do too, though. Yeah. But you know, if you're going to use a guy like that, that's a good spot. He's the second match of the year. Oh yeah, Lions. exactly. You know, there's nothing. Exactly. It's almost like Again, we're being critical, but it's almost like developmental. You know what I mean? It's like when a guy, like you were just killing Tino Sabatelli in NXT, but we forget sometimes it's developmental. Now the problem yeah, but he's been there for like somebody. fucking five years. Fuck that guy. All right, all right. I'm just <laughs> okay? All right, all, all right. right. <laughs> all right. We'll get to the third match. It was a tag match between Dinosaur Takuma and Hiroshi Tenzan took on Toa Hanari and Manubu Nakanishi. You're going to get to say what you've been wanting to say yes! for weeks. And, and, that was the, and how about the fact, <laughs> I told you when I woke up the next day, like I fell asleep on the couch watching, so then I went to bed. My plan was to restart the match, and then I'm like, you know what, I, I don't have a lot of time, I'm going to start the fourth match. Then when I saw the results, I'm like, nope. I'm going back <laughs> at least watching the end, because I've been dying to say it and dying to see it. The absolute worst name finisher I may have ever heard of, and that is saying something. The, is the, he wins with the Toa Bottom? <laughs> there it is. All and, and, and New Japan, just for the record, stresses this because when you look it up, Toa is in all caps. Yes, stylized. It's not the Toa Bottom. It's not the Toa Bottom. It's the Toa Bottom. <laughs> you know? But. Uh, and I have no problem with the mat, the the move itself. I mean, it's a it's a, a rock bottom or a urinagi or whatever they what you want to call it. You right. know, a bookend. It's fine. It's a tried and true move. That's fine. But just they gotta come up with a better name than the toe off bottom. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, don't call it bottom anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> or if you're determined to put bottom in there, you're, you know the guys from New Zealand call it the bottom of the world or something. Right. Sure. Something. Jesus, call it piece of shit. It's a better name than Telebottom. <laughs> that was getting hot. <laughs> I just hate that name, but I want to. I want to every episode be able to say that. So I wind up rooting for a guy I don't like, just so I can have my little moment. Sure. Anything you want to add about this match? Besides nah. the, the Dinosaur is a character. Yeah, he, Takuma's got a tail. What can you say? It was. Here's the thing. It, it was kind of this weird I'm hybrid of comedy match with. You know, big bruisers laying into each other, you know. Yeah, I mean, you got two guys in the match that can barely move. Right. Like, God bless them. Nakanishi and Tenzan. 
they need to do some DDP yoga. <laughs> All right, they can, yes. I mean, Tenzon looks like he's not going to be able to walk soon. Yeah. He's walking on the outsides of his feet. I mean, who? I don't know. I, I, I have a, I'm a little bit concerned about these two guys at this point. Yeah. I mean, Nakanishi looks like he's in slow motion. But I digress. Well, I'm not bragging. Yeah. I don't know. Two legends of the ring. It's just... It's kind of sad, though, to see some of this shit happening. Well, it is weird because... So I I got into a discussion with a guy, actually, uh, on one of the message boards when we were talking about how, you know, these past four or five G1s have just been some of the best in in the history of the tournament. And he was bringing up some of the early 2000 ones, and I was like, oh, God. I mean, some of those were fucking terrible. But he did bring up the... um, Tenzan Akiyama final from uh, I think it was 04 and uh, I did have to give him that one uh, or no it was 03 because that is that's a badass match um, and, and a lot of it has to do with Akiyama as far as I'm concerned but uh, and Tenzan's still yeah I mean he's incredible it, it's it's again that's that's one worth checking out without a doubt yeah now speaking of guys that are legends of the ring but still look okay, like maybe not what they were but still look good yeah is our one of our favorites Blue Justice Yuji yes. Nakata Taking on my favorite young lion, I make no point. I'm not saying he's the best young lion, he's just my favorite young lion. Oka, Tomoyuki Oka. Uh, 12 minutes, 38 seconds, it ends with the backdrop hold. His belly belly suplexed him where he pins them into it. Yep. Um, I don't know if there's a specific name for that. I, I don't know if it's called Blue Justice, I don't know. No, no, um, I just think they call it the backdrop hold. I don't think that yeah. uh, I don't think that it's it's got uh, a proper name. Um, I enjoyed this match. Me too. You know, any there's a running theme and and I, I love the position he's used in because I I think when they put these guys in the matches with Nagata, he makes them look great, but he gives them every opportunity to get their shit in, to look good. He knows how to like what kind of pace to run with these guys. He just he makes them look like they're and I'm not saying they're not ready, but he makes them he reassures you that these guys are going to be refined. They're ready. Yeah, when without you put a doubt. them in there, they're and and nobody ever gets in the, these matches with them and looks overshadowed or out of their element, and that's really a credit to Nagata that he knows exactly what to get out of them and how to get it. Yeah, my opinion. I could be wrong. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, he's very familiar with these kids, and and I mean, he's worked with them, he's trained with them. He, you know, I'm sure that he's probably has a hand, if not, is the one doing is helping to kind of you know lay out the the matches, whether or not they're laying them out in the same way that you know they get laid out over here, for instance, or, yeah, or if it's more just a you know a vague sort of idea of like what we're going to do, or or maybe they are calling it in the ring, you know, who knows? But um, whatever the case may be, I mean, he's intimately familiar with these guys. I don't mean that in a sick way, and uh, and and he is certain. Certainly able to go out there and get the best out of them while also uh, giving them, you know, some of his best, which in essence, you know, really does level them up, if you will. Um, Yeah, I just think if you're going to have Nagata and he's not going to be in the G1 anymore, and let's face it, he's not going to be in the title picture anymore, this is a great way to use him. Yes. I mean, I don't, maybe he doesn't believe that, I don't know, who knows, but he's making the most of it. Like, and as far as how these matches are laid out and worked, I would think, like, if you talk before the match, if I'm a young lion and Yuji Nagata comes in and says, what do you want to do in this match? My answer is going to be, whatever you want to do, sir. Yeah, right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, hey, listen, you're the man. You you tell me here, you know, who knows, though, they they might give the, the, the young kids more input. Well, what do you, you know, who knows? But, I mean... It's such an opportunity for these guys to be on these shows higher on the card and working with a guy like that. Now, speaking of people high on a show that really have impressed of late, is you got Shota Umino. Yeah. Took on Yayoto Yoshida, who he looks ready for prime time. Yeah. Yoshida. 
And um, he's really, really good in this match. Um, it went sixteen forty seven ended with a backdrop suplex, like a or a backdrop, like a belly to to back suplex. Yeah, which is kind of funny because it's kind of almost the same as the Yuji Nagata thing. But um, I, and I and I we touched on this the last I think it was the last show because was it the last one Lionsgate twelve where Yoshida wrestled Yuji Nagata in the main event? Yep. And I don't know if you saw it. I remember we talked about it where Nagata afterwards put him over big time. Yeah. Like, basically, I, I couldn't believe what I heard. He may compared him to Okada. Yeah. Now, I, I think that's a little crazy because he's, he's older than he needed to be, needs to be. But he also pointed out that, like, if he's going to get where he needs to get, Taka's got to let him go now. Yeah. He's got to let him out of time. time he's got to come to the bigger show. But, man, he knows how to wrestle. He knows how to tell a story. He knows what he's doing in that ring. No, he's great. I mean, honestly, I, I think the first time I saw him would have well, been, both uh, are, but yeah, would have been like Lionsgate, like ten or eleven, something like that. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's he's just impressed me every time I've seen him. Um, the tag match that led to the singles match with Nagata was yeah, uh, that I was, he was at eleven. Great in that match, and then uh, and then of course the match he had with Nagata, I thought he was really good in. And in this match with Umino, I mean. You know, Umino's had matches with Nagata before. You, you know what I mean? And this might yeah. have been one of Umino's best matches. So it was I mean, it was really good. No, I just got to talk about how much I love Oka and, and Nagata. But I'm glad they put this match on last. Yes. Um, I don't think Nagata needs to be in the main event. I mean, I know there's not a huge difference on these shows between the fourth and fifth match. But the, let's face it. I don't care if it's a wrestling show in your backyard or it's Wrestle Kingdom or WrestleMania. The last show was the main event for a reason. Yes. The last or the last match on the show, I should say, is the main event. I I'm, I don't always buy into co-main events. I don't believe in that. You can have high-profile matches. You can have awesome matches, but the main event is the last show, the last match of the show. Right. Um. And you know what? Though I think you need to, to take these young kids like Umino and Oka and put them in that position because I don't care what. And maybe I'm reading too much into it. I've never been in a wrestling show, but you could have the same exact match if you're fourth on the card. It's different than being the main event. No, there's a little. There's got to be more pressure when you know you're the last thing the fans see before they walk out the door. Right. You know you can't have a bad match and then somebody pick you guys up right after by having a great match and send everybody home happy. Yeah, yeah. So you got to see if these kids are ready for prime time, and Umino is ready. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him, how long they keep him around, or if they send him on excursion relatively soon. And if they send him on excursion, where do they send him to? Um, do they have a working relationship? Do they send him to, to Impact if they form one, at least partial? Right. Um, I don't know how that works with the Ring of Honor connection. I don't know how that's all going to play out, but I think they, they should send these guys, and I'm, I always say this, they should send them to Mexico or in Europe, wherever they want, but they should at least spend some time in an English-speaking country so they get at least conversational English. Like, sure. easy, you know, just as a company, if you want to do this international expansion, because, you know, and this is a knock on America a little bit, Americans are going to speak English, and it's almost like we don't want to acknowledge other languages exist. But even if you were to expand into Europe, most people that English isn't the first language that live in Europe still know English. Yeah, or some English, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, at least enough English to pass. Like, they might not be what you would consider fluent, but they know enough, you know, they can sit down and do things or have a discussion in English. Where, 
let's face it, the United States, if you speak in another language at this point, is almost frowned upon. But Jesus, yeah, it's a, another. I'm not making it. It's not a political. It's not a Republican Democrat thing. It's just you know people get offended that you can hit a button on your remote and change a language to Spanish. Even though they don't have to do it, it still pisses them off. Um, <laughs> so I think it, going forward, all these young lines need to have at least a, a conversational a, a, a basic English. Is what yeah. So, now, I could see, go, go back to what you kind of started that train of thought, I could see Umino and Oka going on excursion shortly after Wrestle Kingdom. Um, you know, maybe before. I, I mean, it's not like I think they're unready for that, but but I think yeah, more I mean, than really be after keep, Wrestle Kingdom. Well, do you need to keep them around for Wrestle Kingdom? Because the most they're going to do at Wrestle Kingdom is be in the Rumble. Exactly. I think that's part of the point, though. Is it's like go out there, you know, get your dome moment. You now, get yeah, give here. them a pin or, or eliminate somebody of, of magnitude, and then off you go. Yeah, right. But here's the I thing. Let's just say they. Let's just say we both agree that probably the two that are ready are Umino and Oka. Correct? Y- yeah, without a doubt. Because right, I think they've gotten as far as they can get right now without going. They got to get out of this young line. They have to expand their repertoire. Right? Does it make sense to send them at the same time, or do you just maybe you send Umino one now and one after Wrestle Kingdom? I don't know. It depends. It depends. I mean, the thing is, I don't think you send them to the same place. I mean, I guess you could, but I don't think you I should. I mean, you could. They did it with Sho and Yo. Right, but I don't think I see Umino and Oka going off to be a tag team. You know what I mean? Well, no, I, I agree, but I'm just saying, yeah, they don't look like... If you told me that Umino and Narita were going to be a tag team, I could buy it. I'm not saying I like it, but I can understand it. Oka doesn't, and Umino don't jive. It doesn't seem natural. Right. But, um, yeah, no, I agree. Maybe there's someone... We'll see what happens. I mean, you're, people forget too. I mean, Quado's out on on excursion now. Yeah, or right? in CMLL. And, and, yeah, you can. And I didn't know this until you told me that that CMLL puts a lot of their stuff on YouTube. So yeah. you can go on and watch his CMLL stuff. It's pretty neat. Yeah, he had his singles match debut a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was a fun match. I think you I mean, put a he, link to it in Twitter, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, um, and uh, he's got a couple new moves, and I mean, he's looking good. He's looking good. Yeah, which is what he should do. He should his repertoire should be expanding. It should, you know, his character work should be. And that's the whole idea of excursion. Yeah. So that wraps it up. Is there anything you want to talk about on this Lionsgate project? No, I'm ready to get to Kazuna Road. Let's do it. All right, give me one second. I'm, I'm going through all the... Because I don't think, if I'm not mistaken, I do not think as of right now they have the next Lionsgate project scheduled. They don't because it probably won't be until August because they won't have one in July because of the G1. Yeah, now normally they do, they do a month-to-month and they'll at least... like By this point when one ends, you usually have an idea, a date for the other one and they'll at least have the main event on. But right. they, they don't at this point, which makes sense because you have the G1 then you have a lot of stuff coming up, so... They're going to let that, you know, work. So, let's just get to Kazuna Road. Uh, we, uh, How do you want to do this? Should we give out the results and talk about each match or just give the results and talk about the, the things that really matter at this point? Yeah, I think let's just... And I don't want to belittle any matches and say they don't matter. But a 10-man tag team between LIJ and Suzuki Goon, we have seen this so many times in the last four or five months that it really doesn't matter. Like, I'm, I'm going to give you a spoiler here. Bushi hitting the MX on Taka to get a pinfall means nothing in the grand scheme of things at this point. <laughs> yeah, you know that what I'm is, trying to say? Yeah, I, I mean, I will give true. the results and we'll talk about what's important. So yeah. the first show we're going to cover is, what would it be, the Sunday, June 17th show. Yeah. Which is in Corican. Which has the uh, main event not, of uh, was a couple. Goto. Yeah, there's a couple that were non-televised. We're not going to get into that. No. There's really nothing there of any interest. Like, not interest, of any, uh, utter importance. 
So you had Suji and Yuminura again wrestled. This was a time-up draw. This is the one where he went for the cover. He hit the, the move and went for the cover when the bell rang. Yes, which I was right earlier. Again, though, yeah. the 10-minute draw, I mean, it makes sense. They're really, I think... The, these guys and these two specifically together uh, uh, are, are, are just working really, really well and, and proving that they're ready for, you know, they're ready for the next step. Okay. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I only watched the main event of this show. Now I'm looking at the results. Had I watched the whole show, I would probably be realizing that I'm going to put my foot in my mouth right now because guess who just teams up? Teamed up. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Okay, okay, Numino. Numino, which I just said don't strike me as a tag team, but here we go. Um, I I should refer to they don't strike me as any kind of a long term tag team. I think right. this is just to get them on. But I just got done saying they don't tag, and then here it is. But um, they they lost to Nagata and Nakanishi. Uh, Nagata hit the Nagata lock two. I forget to put that two part in on Umino. Not yeah. Four seconds. Uh, then we get Renderito teamed up with Tenzan to take on Ishimori and Takahashi. I actually watched a couple minutes of this because I was interested to see Ishimori and Takahashi together. Yeah. It's funny. You know, they have a little bit of interaction. I liked it. But it ended with um, Narita tapping out to Ishimori. And the best part about this is that if you look at the official results on New Japan, you want to take a guess what they have the finisher listed as? No, what, what, what is it? The Yes Lock. That's awesome. They they called it, and they didn't call it the LaBelle Lock, and then they call it the Yes Lock on NewJapanPro.com. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the fourth match was it was one of these 10-man tag matches. You had Taguchi, Kushida, Toanari, Jeff Cobb, Togi Makibi, took on Shoyo, Rocky, Yoshihashi, and Toriyanu. Now, I was watching this match because I texted you during the match, awesome to see Jeff Cobb back. Didn't and I already it. and I already knew it was coming. So when you texted me that, I was like, "You didn't oh, play your hand, you're though. Gonna, you're gonna love this." <laughs> yeah, you're like your exact text was, "Oh, that's cool." Text me after the main event and let me know what you think of everything. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, we'll get to that. But it ended with um, Jeff Cobb hit his finisher on Rocky, which is called Tour of the Island. Yep. Yep. Eleven minutes three seconds. It was uh, awesome I mean, too because he also hit he also hit the uh, standing shooting star, which the first time he did that in Japan, I mean the crowd was just sort of like holy shit because he's a bigger guy and when he I'm hits that fan. man, yeah, I like Jeff Cobb. I like Jeff Cobb a lot. Me too. And and that shit that happened last year with Elgin shit talking him about the way shit talking about the way he smelled and he didn't want to listen just made me like Cobb even more. Yeah. So now he's 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 a really nice guy, and I've met him a couple of times, and uh, uh, yeah, he's 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 cool. He smells like I'd pineapple. I'd like to see him. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. What <laughs> you say? Pineapple and victory, right? Yeah, tweet that that's right. I, t- I tweeted him that. I tweeted him that last year when it was all happening, and he he tweeted back, and yeah, I mean, he's he's a cool guy. Yeah, the um, and I like to see him like maybe stay there for a while and do something because he's not young. He's not super old, but he's in his early thirties. I want to say. Yeah, yeah. So like, I'd like to see something happen for him soon. Me too. Um, we. I don't need to really talk about the next match because I already spoiled that Bushi hit an MX on Taka. <laughs> ten man, ten sixteen MX pin. You want to watch it? There it is. Sixth match. You had a six man tag match with David Finley, Juice Robinson, and Hiroshi Tanahashi took on Ishii, Jay White, and Okada. It ended with Ishii hitting David Finley with his vertical brainbuster for a pin at thirteen minutes thirteen seconds. What do you want to say about this match, Sam? The match itself was fine. I mean, there was some good stuff in it, actually, and it was probably the best, you know, like, multi-man tag match on the card. Uh, the, I think it was the aftermath that, that really, 
ended up being um, notable with with uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson. Um, you know, they just they they went after one another. And now uh, these nights blend together a little bit. Is this the first time where he tries to put his hand in the chair? Yes. Okay, because I couldn't remember if he did it the first time this night or the next night. But he, he tries. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say he tries, and then Juice punches the chair into Jay White's face. Okay. Yeah. So Juice gets out of it, but it's setting up. It's foreshadowing what's to come. Yeah. But it, it does a good job too. It just sets up. And anytime, let's face it, you're getting Tanahashi and Okada in the same ring. You know, can't, let's go. can't be a bad thing. No, it's it can't be a bad thing at all. Like, and I always make this point. I could see David this match, Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, and Finley take on Ishii, Jay White, and Okada and be totally stoked for it. If the WWE on Raw put a six-man tag on of comparable level people in their company, I'd say, what kind of shit is this? we got to sit through. Who's booking this? Teddy Long? So it just shows you how much respect I have for the with making a tag, tag team, team match, match player. player. <laughs> well, you know what I'm trying to say though. Like tag yeah. team matches, if they're not actual tag teams in the WWE world, are almost always garbage. Yeah. And here, they New Japan just does a, a, such a good job of using them to tell others, like to set up all the stories. Right. And, and not just the finish. That's the thing about WWE. If you watch 20 minutes of garbage to get a 30 second finish, you know what I mean. But I digress. We get to the set, the fight, the main event, sixty-minute time limit for the never open weight championship belt. The challenger Hiroki Goto takes on the newly crowned champion Michael Elgin in a rematch. The match goes thirty minutes and fifty-seven seconds. Yes, it did say thirty minutes, fifty-seven seconds, and it ends with Hiroki Goto hitting the GTR for the pin on Elgin. Whoa! Can I just say I? <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed the hell out of this match. It was a fucking great match. It was really good. I mean, not that I thought their match wouldn't be good, but, you know, and, and I, it was partially what I thought it would. I mean, you have two big hosses in there, two big strong guys who are going to work stiff and hit each other. I mean, by the end of this, I think they were both had bloody mouths. Yeah. Like, they weren't, they weren't pulling their well, punches all that much. But, no, and man, they were what a good match this was. And it was fast-paced, too. It wasn't like, they, it wasn't like you know, you get these two big guys in there, and they work for, like, five minutes, and then they slow down for five minutes, and then they work for five minutes, and they slow down. You know, they worked at a pretty crazy pace, like, the whole yeah. match. And you had Elgin do some moves. He turned into... Lucha Elgin! Thank you. <laughs> but Goto, and, like, I get all... I'm all over the place. Like, sometimes I'm really high on Goto. Sometimes I'm like, oh, it's Goto. Because it's just like... The, the, I don't know. It's like, you know, like you said, he's like the gatekeeper in a way. But, man, if they were going to wrestle matches like this all the time... And, you know what? I like Tai Chi, but I almost wish this match was the Dominion match. Because this was better than the Dominion match. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I agree. That's a product of sometimes a triple threat or, or whatever. But I do like that Tai Chi was heard from. He comes out and hits the ball. He, the ref gets taken out, so Tai Chi takes the opportunity to come out and, you know, he's yeah. in a microphone stand them both upside the head. It's Yeah, I mean, it's, it is funny that they're kind of keeping him involved in a way because when you think about it, like, he doesn't have, he doesn't have a leg to stand on because, you know, he got pinned by Elgin. And then yeah. the champ comes back and pins Elgin. It's like Tai Chi doesn't have any claim to a title tai shot. Tai Chi's going to make all. his own claim. Well, okay? sure. He's sure. just going to piss enough people off until he gets a claim. Plus, you know what? <laughs> when you're Tai Chi, baby, you do what you want, okay? <laughs> I'm a big fan of Tai Chi. All right. But, all right uh, fair enough. No, it was a great match. And then you get to the point where after the match, you have a little bit of a beatdown going on. 
Yeah. And who saves the day? Oh, uh, Mr. Jeffrey Cobb. Thank you. I what I catch you off guard there for a second? Yeah, like, I'm sorry. My, my <laughs> no, phone started right. blowing up, and I'm just like, That's what okay. the hell? Well, anyway, I'm sorry. sorry. I picked like, the worst possible time to like because you hit the lucha the lucha Elgin thing right on cue. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, and then you know Jeff Cobb come out, which I kind of like. I like that they did that, especially after kind of the shit that happened. Because let's face it, Elgin. I mean, he didn't talk a ton of shit. It wasn't like he was a complete dick about it. And if I'm not mistaken, Elgin said those things. Not implying, not he didn't want, not trying to make them public, correct? No, yeah, he did. There was no intention of, of, of anyone ever hearing this, much less, you know, Jeff Cobb. I mean, it was. Listen, not everybody who wrestles with everybody is going to like, and I didn't take it as a knock on Cobb more than he didn't like working with Cobb. Not, you know, I mean, it was a little harsh when he said the guy smelled, but. Yeah, and he said some things about how he doesn't know how to get over with the the New Japan crowd, and he he did say some shitty things, but whatever. Point is... In his defense, though, and and let's face, uh, you know, context, as as Eric Bischoff says a lot, context is king, right? Yes, it is. If, you know, you you don't know, because a lot of this was via text messages, correct? It wasn't audio, and you don't get the full context. You know, I could say about somebody, listen, he's having trouble getting over, and I'm trying to help him, and he won't listen to me. And that necessarily isn't a knock on somebody. It's constructive criticism. But with no context, it can be like, you know what? This dick won't listen to me. You know what I mean? Right, not, right. I don't know. So, anyway, that is what it is. But Jeff Cobb then challenges Goto for a shot at the Neverweight Open title, which we are getting at the Cow Palace. Yeah. So it's amazing how we're coming full circle here, isn't it? Yes, it is. From, from the top of the show to the middle of the show. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, I, I, I really like this. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of Cobbs. You're a big fan of Cobbs. I think he's, you know, he's he's a hell of a talent. I, I think that um, he can have a really good match with Goto. I, I don't see him winning the title. Um, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if it happened, but I don't see I, that happening. I, I, the, the main thing for me isn't necessarily that I don't see Jeff Cobb necessarily having the title. I, I don't know if they're going to hot potato it that quick. Right. And it bounce, bounce, bounce. Like, if Goto had won the Dominion match and then won this match and stole the title, I'd say maybe Cobb has a shot here because maybe they're going to do something with him. But I, I, if that was the case, wouldn't it have made more sense to have Cobb challenge Elgin? Because people kind of know what happened a little bit. You right. could, even if it's not a nasty challenge, it would have made more sense for him to go after... You know what I mean? If that's what you were going to do. I guess my thought is, is that... I would be... Or maybe because they don't want to put Elgin out there in the ring in the United States right now. Oh, I don't think they do. I think that... I honestly think that's one of the reasons that this happened. But I do think... One of the things that I'll add to that is that I would be surprised if there wasn't at least one title change on the G1 special card. I'm not saying that there should be or that there will be, but I would be a little bit surprised because I feel like you... You know, you want to bring the product to this crowd you 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 want to try and sell that house out i think you know y- y- you try to pop the crowd yeah probably with oh, a title be, change. i agree there's gonna be at least one title change and, and to me and i already said it i think the most likely scenario is juice robinson wins the u.s title yeah you're right you're right that's just my opinion Could be no you're absolutely right i think you're absolutely right I, I i think it makes the most sense in a lot of ways so that, that's a, we had a little a nice little bow on night one there. Kazuna Road night one. All right. Well, um, in the books. In the <laughs> and uh, we've got Hiromu and El Desperado headlining for night two. Yeah, everything that leads up to this is basically a rehash of some variety of the night before. Right. You have your, your own little stories. Um, 
you know, but you get to Hiromu and El Desperado. It goes 28 minutes, 16 seconds. It ends with Hiromu hitting the time bomb. Um, no surprise there. It was it, The match is what you thought it would be. And that's not a knock. Say, well, it's exactly because you, I thought it'd be a really, really good match, and it was a really, really good match. Yeah. Desperado freaked me out with his hairstyle. He didn't look right. He looked like a different guy. Man, he, and at one point, like, he just, he, his mask got taken off, and he just acted like he didn't even give a shit. Yeah. Like, he covered his face for a second, and then he was like, fuck it. It was really, I don't know, I, it's really got me thinking about the whole Dragon Lee Desperado, you know, mask versus mask match, because it's yeah. like, whew, How man. about when he clocked him, I, like, he clocked Haramo with the flowers? Yeah. <laughs> there was yeah. chair shots involved, there was all kinds of chicanery. I just, I love using that word. I'm so glad you did use that word. Yeah, his mask comes off. He, like, tries to cover his head for two seconds. He's like, screw it. And he's got, like, he's rocking, if anybody hasn't seen it, he's rocking, like, corn-rolled dreadlock things. Yeah. Like, his hair's all braided, or not dreadlock, braids. Like, it did not look like, if you first saw him get in the ring, if you told me it was a different guy wearing the mask, I would have believed it. Right. That's how weird (laughs) he looks with the hair. It's funny, what? too, because, uh, oh, the thing about the flowers, going back to that real quick, though, is I forgot, is that uh, Hiromu had them in a guitar case, mm-hmm. which is usually, like, Desperado's thing, so it was, it was pretty hilarious. the greatest. He's the greatest oh, thing ever, between I Mr. Trophy and Mr. Belto, and, oh, I love, I absolutely love when he comes out with the trophy and uses his hand as the broken wing. I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, oh you yeah. know what? One thing. Um, okay. Well, yeah. That that pretty much sums up. Well, we can. Two. I think no, we, no, can, no. we can hit. We can hit two things real quick on this night, and that's that Uemura and yeah. Suji had another ten minute draw, um, which again yeah. I just think is important enough to say that that happened. Uh, and then the, really the only other big thing that came out of this uh, would have been in the Tanahashi Elgin Juice. Cobb Kushida match against Okada Goto uh, Jay White Ishii and Ghetto, um, which was the uh, uh, White beating the shit out of Juice after the match and um, you know smashing his hand with a chair. Yeah, which we kind of covered, you know. But we what night was it? Was it this night or the third night with the Naito Sonata thing? That's the third night. Okay, because that's the problem with these. Is they oh no, it was this night. Together. It was this night. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fuck. It was this night. Yeah, it You're was because right. I remember Bushi got the pin. Yep. And they're all in the ring, and for anybody who didn't watch, all four of them do the Lij fist bump thing together. So the, it starts out normal, like they all four of them do it in the group. Then they all hover out and get out of the ring, except Naito and Sonata, and Naito does it again. He wants Sonata to do the fist thing with them, and Sonata blows it off. Yeah, because the thing that's important is is literally right before this match, they announced the blocks. Because yes. they announced the participants on, on, on the night before, they announced the blocks this night, and then they announced the schedule after. So they knew at this point, Sonata and Naito knew, had just found out that they would be in the same block together and have to face one another in the G1. So yeah, yeah when Naito goes and asks for the fist bump, Sonata doesn't give it. And it's not only that he doesn't give it, it's kind of the way that he looks at Naito, sort of just like... No, fuck you. Yeah, fuck, no, this. fuck this. Fuck yeah. you, fuck this. Um, there's a point in case where a little bit of commentary would have helped, but, yeah, we got the gist of what was going through. Yeah. You know? Um, and that covers that night. I mean, I don't know. The third night, there wasn't really a lot. There really wasn't. Because a, a big, big part of it was the, all about the super strong machine thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, And I don't mean to belittle it. It's just I couldn't understand it. 
No, I mean it was very touching. He talked about his wife, uh, you know, dying uh, from yeah. cancer, and, and and just you know what she had meant to him as a motivation in his career and everything. And I, I think that you know it was a very touching ceremony. It was really cool to see you know all the other wrestlers that came out and and, and were out there with him. Um, you know, let's face it, man. They they do it right. You know, I, I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to bash any other promotions. We've done enough of that. But ultimately, when they do something like this, it feels like it really means something, and it it it, it just. I don't know. It was a very touching ceremony, and uh, I thought the match ended up being yeah. fun for what it was. Yeah, you know, I it was like nice how tribute. they had them. Yeah, how they had them wear the masks, and they had different names and everything. They made a thing, and you don't you don't have to understand Japanese to at least understand the feeling of of the ceremony. Right. When it was somber, when it, it wasn't, and everything. But realistically, that the third night's mostly about that. And um, there's not much I can commentate on that, except if you're interested in that, just go watch it. Yeah. Because nothing it's, I'm going to say is going to, or we're going to say is going to do it justice. It is worth sure. noting real quick that uh, you had Strong Machine Ace, which is Hiroshi Tanahashi. Strong yes. Machine Don, which was uh, Nakanishi. Nakanishi. Strong Machine Buffalo, which was Tenzan. Strong Machine number 69, which is Taguchi, yeah. and Strong Machine Justice, which is Yuji Nagata. Uh, I, I was they, real proud of myself. I did a little bit of research and beat some people to the punch about who Strong Machine Don was. Yeah, yeah, yeah you like, sure and I'm not the I'm not the research kind of guy. I like to let people do that for me, you know? It, it, it stumped me. I was not sure. So, yeah, I, um, but it was, yeah, I, it, it was That's, fun. It was nice. Yeah. And, and that... Um, Pretty much is everything. The only thing left is just to remind people that uh, on the 23rd is um, the home of comeback. Begins. That's right. So that's something we're, you know, we'll talk about next week, but it's something to keep your eye out. Um, there's Kazuna Road shows coming up. You can check out New Japan World. It'll give you the full listing of when they are. And uh, from this point on, except for that, I mean, we're basically, next week, we're going to get geared up. It's going to be G1 time, baby. Holy shit. What have we got I, I gotta, ourselves like, into? I got to spend a lot of time with my kids now because... Come the middle of July, they're not going to get to spend as much time with Dan unless they want to watch Japanese wrestling with me. <laughs> you know? uh, well, I, I, you know what? I make no bones about it. I'm going to have an infant sitting next to me probably while I, I watch uh, some of this stuff through the You know what's going to be cool for you? You're going to have times when the baby wakes up in the middle of the night. You're going to have to get up. You might, ah, might as well throw it on and watch a match. Yeah, no shit. I'm rocking a baby to sleep. And we should and we should take a moment to just mention, which I'm sure most people that are listening already know, but just in case you didn't, every single G1 night will have English commentary. Oh. It's, I mean, that's fantastic. I know there are some folks out there that really love and enjoy listening to the Japanese commentary, even though they don't understand can. it. Cool. But yeah. I think that, you know, there's something about having the English commentary, even for a guy like me who was listening to, you know, videotapes back in the late 90s when English commentary for this shit was like a pipe dream. It's 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 still I They're love all the live, fact that we correct? have it, you know, and and, they, and and Kevin Kelly's awesome. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, maybe I am. They're all live, correct? Oh, yeah. They're all live. Yes, you're right. There's yes. no even with the English commentary, there's no like tape delay issues like we had with the best of the super juniors where like I'm at home from work waiting to watch the son of a bitch and thing for it to come up. They are all live, all with English commentary. Yes, sir. God bless them. This is what we need if you want to expand it. But I mean, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I can't say enough about it. Um, the broadcast times, too, like you can see, I think they all start like, uh, unfortunately, they all start in the middle of the, the night for Western audiences. But that anything that's live is going to be on demand immediately after. So oh, it's yeah. not like you're going to be sitting around waiting. 
But um, I, other than that, Tim, I got nothing for our listeners except just to constantly we thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Uh, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes. The new thing is we've asked people to, to do that or interact with us on Twitter, which has worked. Now I'm going to take a step for, further. If you listen to us on iTunes and you like the show, how about giving us a good review? Yeah. Just because, I, you know, it's nice to have some reviews on there. And, um, you know, I'm not going to sell for myself. If you don't like the show, don't review us at all. <laughs> if you do like the show, give us a, a, a five-star review. You know, and, and thank you. Uh, we had some uh, some some great conversations on Twitter this week. Uh, JW Thompson, um, uh, Jeffrey, who's a, a new follower of ours. Um, uh, uh, of course, Wilfred over at New Japan uh, US. A few other folks whose whose names are escaping right now. I do apologize, uh, but please keep it up. It's a lot of fun, uh, especially sometimes uh, when I'm at work and things yeah, are slow. You know what the nice so. thing? You know what the nice thing is, Sam. <laughs> The cool thing is, it seems like every week we get a little bit more and more interaction. It might be another person jumps on and gets involved weekly or whatever it is, but it's definitely where we are compared to where we started two and a half short months ago. It, we've grown by leaps and bounds. Every episode we've put out of late has been our highest downloaded episode. Like, yeah. we're trending up, we're getting more interaction, and that's what we want. I mean, we do this for fun, and it's more fun when we get people to interact with us on Twitter, even if you disagree with us. Oh, Except yeah. for the one problem you, we had. But other, yeah, you know. and you know what? And I was even going to say that even though that was a little contentious and stuff, I, I, I mean, it's it, 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 at the end of the day, it was I was glad that it, that, that the conversation happened. Uh, I, you know, so whatever. Take take some of my words with a debate, grain of salt. It spurs to talk about wrestling, and it spurred to talk about New Japan wrestling. Exactly, which is the most important thing. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about New Japan wrestling and pro wrestling, and we will be back next week uh, with full previews for the G1 Special and the G1 Climax Tournament. We won't really have a whole lot else to talk about, uh, no, so we're going to go deep be on amazed, G1. Because I am going to show everybody how brilliant I am next week. <laughs> That's my game plan. All right. At the same time, you should get Liam to tell us who he thinks is going to win. <laughs> I will have him on here. Oh, he's going to get – no one him. He's going to say Kenny. He's going to pick Kenny. You know, if you ask him who's going to win uh, SummerSlam, he's going to pick Kenny. He just loves <laughs> him so much. But, no, I'll get him on. He will give his little pick who's going to win the whole thing. Maybe he shocks us. I'm going to tell him, though, don't let me know ahead of time. All right. So, I like it. see how that goes. But, Sounds good, man. Well, got, hey, take buddy. care of yourself in the meantime, but uh, we should probably go home. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Take care, everybody. Talk to you later. Thank you.